Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Dave Somerville. Hello. Hello, Dave. And yeah, by, by Jake McGee. How are you doing? I'm not too bad at all, my friend. How are you? Uh, very well. Very well. Um, another week in the NFL is done. Mm. We've got another week to talk about. Reviews. Previews. WinFL Awards. Random stats. Got the whole shebang for you this week. Um, we're going to jump right in, gentlemen. Straight away with the Thursday night game from last week. Cincinnati Bengals. Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in front of 70,997 fans who watched the Baltimore Ravens absolutely take it to the Cincinnati Bengals by a score of 34-20. to 20. Um, There was so much to talk about in this game. It was ridiculous. Uh, the big stories, of course, being Joe Burrow out for the season. Mark mm. Andrews maybe out for the season uh, I believe there was an update in that injury for Mark Andrews but the Ravens come away with the 34-20 uh, win over Cincinnati you have to think, Jake I'm going to throw it over to you quickly you have to think the Bengals Joe Burrow done for the season is their season over what do you reckon? Uh, yes, they don't have a game versus a team under 500 going forward. Oh. Um, so it's, it, it is uh, over. Uh, Thursday night football is absolutely cursed. We've had bad games, we've had bad announcing, and then the injuries this week really kind of topped. You know, we finally got a game where you look on paper and go, okay, finally, a good Thursday night game. And it was overshadowed by injuries. Now, Borough wasn't on the injury report. He was in a wrist brace two days before the game. And how do we know this? The Bengals posted a video of him in a wrist brace, which they very quickly deleted after the game, um, because if a player has an injury, you have to report it. So we've had this earlier on in the season, we've had this again, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes from it. Uh, like I say, Mark Andrews, initially Harbaugh said that basically he's done for the season, um, but a couple of days later he said... It's not as bad as they first thought, and you know he's probably still going to go on IR, probably miss three, four games. But you know if they go into the playoffs and they go deep, it's certainly one that could return, which is good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bengals—they've lost fourteen straight regular season night games on the road. Um, in the kind of same situation, the Ravens are twenty and three at home since two thousand and eight. So you can kind of see the difference. OBJ had a big game for for one hundred sixteen. And then the only other note really I had for it was that the Baltimore D-line just bullied the Bengals O-line. And people were saying, you know, anytime a quarterback goes down, oh, Tom Brady or some, you know, some other quarterback is going to come and rescue the... No, no, no. <laughs> Specifically, Tom Brady does not want to go behind that O-line. No, they don't. Uh, Rich Eisen brought this up in his show about Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back for the New York Jets. And Why? he said, there's no way he would come back behind that offensive line just to get himself killed again. You know, with, with two games to go in what might be a lost season. It's not going to happen. Dave, going to throw it to you. There was, I mean, like, you know, the big story is, of course, Joe Burrow's injury, Mark Andrews' injury as well. Uh, as Jake mentioned, Mark Andrews was injured on another one of these, what are they calling the hip drop tackles? Hip drop, yeah. That the league are looking to ban... And you're just thinking, what chance have defenders got? Like, where do they tackle them? Where can they hit people? There's no consistency 
uh, with regards to what's called. It's not illegal at the moment to to tackle someone like that. It's a perfectly legitimate play. We've seen so many injuries this year, but um, we'll we'll talk about that. But let's also talk about the game, Dave, because um, yes, Borough went out, mm-hmm. but. The Ravens looked really good in this game. It was all a back to formula for the Ravens, and it worked. What what else did you see that was going on? I mean, Jake pretty much summed up all the notes I had. Um, it just except that um, it, with Lamar being able to come back in, that was obviously the real difference maker. Um, and as soon as that happened, I, I mean, it was it was. Up, it was just basically Baltimore had to just keep their head a little bit, and they managed to do it. They looked very competent in this game. Um, so the the Baltimore defense was really impressive. I mean, not only uh, Joe Burrow, but when Jake Browning came in and took over, so I mean, he he was pressured almost every single play. It was uh, it was really impressive to watch. But yeah, uh, Odell Beckham, that what a fantastic game he had as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson's favorite target in this game. Usually, it's Mark Andrews. Obviously, Andrews went down with the injury, but uh, Beckham was targeted seven times. And he four receptions for 116 yards, and you know, just a, a few, a few little uh, shushes to the um, detractors of Lamar Jackson because you know, some of his stats uh, not ideal uh, for like a kind of top franchise quarterback. Um, but yeah, it was a very good game for Lamar. Uh, he got two two touchdowns. I managed to run for fifty four yards. Yeah, it was just an all round decent, competent win by the by the Ravens. But just to echo what you were saying with Jake, there, Bengals are done this year. I'm afraid it's it's preparing for next year. I think is probably the best thing for them going forward. They obviously they're not going to uh, give up, but I mean the odds are way stacked against them now. They are yeah, for Jake's though. I mean, you got Jake Bobo, <laughs> Jake Ferguson, yeah, now I've got Jake, Jake Brown, Brown and getting a collection of them. Absolutely, we loved plenty of Jakes around kicking around the NFL. I thought it was good. Um, now, yeah, but it's it's starting to look like a support group more than kind of just all, all the Jakes all just together. A random collection of white guys. Yeah. But, hi, my name's Jake. Oh, hi. Oh, sorry. Hi, Jake. We uh, <laughs> we um, should talk about Jake Browning very very quickly just before we move on um, because. You said something very interesting there, Dave. The As soon as he came in, the Ravens had asked him. Now, we've seen backup quarterbacks coming in, particularly young quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks coming in and looking pretty good. And everyone said, oh, you know, this guy can play. I think a lot of that's got to do with the defense that's played against them. Because, mm. you you know, uh, teams are like, well, here comes a rookie. Let's just, you know, knock, you know, we'll, we'll sit back and play it safe and, make sure they don't beat us deep and all that. What they should be doing is throwing the house at them. You guy yeah. comes off the uh, bench, he's cold, send the house. He's going to panic, he's going to make mistakes. It's what the Ravens did and it's what other teams and good defensive coordinators do is in comes the backup, let us absolutely go for this. Just like, you know, oh, there's your backup cornerback, let us throw at this guy six times in a row. If he beats us, fair play but we think we've got a better matchup and i think it's it's a the perfect point you're making there the the ravens absolutely sent the house against uh browning and the, the man had no chance no chance at Correct. all no yeah. uh it's 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 like i think now they they can they kind of just 
uh, maybe cut their losses a little bit um, on this season. Just a, maybe a bit of pride, I think, they're playing for now because, I mean, their division alone is all, you know, it's already stacked. They've got, it's just winning teams left, right and centre. So I think it's prepared for next year time, I'm afraid. Yeah. So we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in front of 73,543 fans. And no surprises to anyone watching this. The Dallas Cowboys, as they have done all year, are beating up on the bad teams. Uh, 33-10 to 10 to Dallas in this one. The game was never in doubt from the word go. Uh, big story for this. Deron Bland had another pick six which i believe is his fourth of the year dave i'm going to throw this one over to you dallas carolina what did you make of it business as usual i think it's pretty the, the way to really sum this up uh but yeah just say what you were saying about deron bland he's tied an nfl record it's his fourth pick six uh of the season and it's it that's just incredible i the 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 pick itself was just Amazing! It was. It wasn't uh, an error from uh, Bryson Young. It was just fantastic DB play from from Bland, and a uh, full credit to him. He for he just. So, um, the commentator at the time said there are some players that just have a natural, uh, God given ability to go get these uh, balls when there's just the slightest chance. And there's a few. I'd say very few players in the NFL uh, at DB you can describe that about. But the way that Bland went for this ball and just knew exactly where it was going to be, the speed, the burst of speed to get in front of the receiver, absolutely amazing job. I, I honestly could not um, could not praise him anymore. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it was essentially a diving interception. But uh, he ties the record, which is shared by uh, Eric Allen of Philadelphia uh, back in 1993. Kansas City's Jim Kearney back in 1972. And of Houston, Ken Houston back in 1971, who also had it as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot else to take away. A few pointers more than anything else. But when you've got the first pick in the draft, one thing you need to do is protect him. And Carolina do not know how to do that. Bryce Young was sacked seven times in this game. Absolutely battered. Uh, he was 16 of 29 for 123 yards. Early on, they looked like they could make it a game. They had a really good solid run game. Uh, Chubba Hubbard and Miles Sanders, you know, they both go over 50 yards in the game. But Bryce Young, I'd say two, maybe three of those sacks were definitely avoidable. Just a, a too far, taking far too long uh, decision-wise. But Micah Parsons, when you get up against Micah Parsons, you need to get rid of that ball ASAP. And they they just could not do it. Six tackles, uh, two and a half sacks, and two tackles for loss. Those are defensive uh, player of the year numbers there. But um, yeah, Dak, nothing really to say about him. He didn't need to get out of second gear. 25 of 38, 189 yards, two TDs, and you know the, only, the other touchdown. Uh, on offense was Tony Pollard, who got 12 carries for 61 yards. Uh, again, competent. I think competent is going to be another word. I think every couple of weeks I bring in competent as the word. But that's what it was. They, they were just professional. They did their job. And they move on to the next one. Uh, Cowboys 7-3. and three. 
Panthers one and nine, and I would say they're going for the they're kind of tanking a little bit for the first pick, but they don't have the first pick, so the Bears will be hoping that they are tanking. That's true. Um, I mean, they already had the first pick from last year because they yes. uh, drafted up. Uh, uh, sorry, I say drafted, traded up as we know in the draft to go and get Bryce Young. Fair play to them, Jake. Mm. We've um, we've we've spoken about this ad nauseum. I know you've got a sort of bugbear about this. Bryce Young's been terrible. I mean, he he's just been flat out terrible for the Panthers. Do you think Frank Wright keeps his job at the end of this year? Uh, probably not. Um, it depends because obviously the front office and the ownership is quite new there as well. Um, I feel like they should be making that decision via Bryce Young, as as, as weird as it sounds. I know he's a rookie and he's not uh, doing too well, but he's kind of you've sold your franchise for him. So if he wants Frank Reich around, I think he can make that decision. If he is not happy with Frank Reich, I think he could also make that decision. He's got a lot of power um, being in the position he is. Um, I mean, like for a second, it looked like they found a bit of identity. They had a, a 17 play, 70 yard, nine minute drive of kind of running the ball and different things. Yeah. Okay. They're showing a bit and it was 17, 10. And then I think Dallas kind of went, Oh, Okay, we're just going to squish you now. Like we're not, you know, don't get too confident. And, and like you said, uh, you know, so they just continue to put a beat down on bad teams. And hey, you can only play your record. Um, so when you're beating up on bad teams, you know, you want your team to be beating up on bad teams. That's not a bad thing. Um, it's just when they play the big teams, can they show up as well? And something what Dave was saying, I think Dan Quinn kind of needs another shout out. I mean, he was great with Seattle. Obviously, not so great with Atlanta as a head coach. But we had. Um, Diggs, Trayvon Dix, that's his name. Uh, last year, even though he was getting burnt half the year, he led the league in inceptions, and now he's out injured, and Deron Bland's got four pick sixes, and all of a sudden you're thinking, these are, are good players, but the scheme is obviously working because um, the D-backs continue to kind of win in Dallas. Well, the majority, I, I, would take, I would take it to the next level with the Panthers, so I think they have a great scheme. They just don't have the personnel to execute it uh, as well as, it needs to be to be to kind of have an NFL standard. I think they had a great variety of uh, run, pass, uh, play, action. It was all there. But you look at the, the the running, the blocking wasn't there. You look at the passing. There was a lot of uh, Bryce Young wanted a lot of time. Um, I think he fumbled it as well uh, at some point on a bad decision. So I think there's a lot of mistakes there, and the personnel to execute the scheme. It's just, it's they're just not there. I mean, they, they th- uh, he targeted Adam Thielen eleven times, and Thielen was eight of seventy-four. But there was no other player with two with more than two receptions in the game. So but he's a, he's a great yeah. third, fourth option, Thielen. But he wasn't put there to be the first option. They got rid of DJ Moore. They mm-hmm. spent, I think, it was a second-round pick on Mingo, Jonathan Mingo, out of Ole Miss, and he's not kind of living up to. Yeah, I, and like you say, they six, don't have the yeah. first round pick, so it's, mm-hmm. it's see, I six boring. targets. Yeah, six targets for and for Mingo, and he caught one of them. So, see, I, yeah, that, I, I like the idea of Thielen. Um, I, I, I think you're being a little, um, I don't want to say harsh, a little harsh, saying he's a good th- third or fourth option. Because I think he's a solid number two. I, I do. I think he really is. But he's having to be number one and there's no production from anyone else. It seems like every third down they're throwing at Thielen. Every fourth down mm-hmm. they're throwing at Thielen. The defense is nowhere they're going. 
And there shouldn't be... You're right, Dave. It's almost as if they don't have the personnel to play at the NFL level. But that shouldn't be the case. Yes, correct. There are are only 64 starting guards in the entire league. 64. So if you guys are the worst in the league, they are the 63rd and 64th best in the entire country. That should be good enough for the NFL. And it's just awful. And and the Panthers are, are ter- they're really bad to watch because they look like they don't know what they're doing on the field. Yeah. And it's just, you, you watch this team and, you know, as I'm talking about, you know, the guards are 64. I, I saw something actually. Um, I'm just, there's got nothing to do with this game. It was when I was watching the Monday night game, which we'll get on to later, um, that said, that according to PFF, now you know I don't like PFF grades. <laughs> I think PFF grades are shocking. They're absolutely horrendous. They had um, a safety, who I will mention later in the Monday night game, listed as the 44th in the NFL. Keep in mind there's only 32 teams. So that's PFF saying that 11 teams in the NFL have two safeties better than this guy. Now I'll get back onto that later. But the reality is the, the Panthers have an NFL team. They have, you know, a center, two guards, two tackles, tight end, running back, wide receivers, quarter, like every other team. Even if all of you guys are ranked 32nd in the entire league at their position, or 64th, if you know, you've got two tackles, two guards, they should still be playing at a high level. They should still know what to do and how to play this game. It's like we've spoken at length about backup quarterbacks you Mm -hmm. cannot tell me that these guys who are playing at the highest professional level of american football in the world in the nfl cannot you know throw a ball cannot don't know how to block it's like they don't know how to do it well why not Uh, and a good analogy with that uh, jake i know you're a, a formula one guy uh, okay. Dave, I'm not sure. Are you a Formula One guy, Dave? Yeah, Formula One, yeah. Formula One fans, right? So there's what twenty drivers. Yep, twenty-two. So twenty-two drivers. Twenty-two drivers. Sorry, twenty-two drivers. Okay, the worst driver in Formula One should still be a so, really, really good driver. I mean, it's not like he's the worst driver in the world. He's the worst in Formula One. The best of the best of the best of the most elite of the of motorsport mm-hmm. otherwise he shouldn't be a formula one driver now i know that we sometimes joke about drivers and say oh, look at this guy he's hopeless but you know what i'm jake you know what i'm talking about here don't you you know what i'm trying yes, to occasionally say occasionally money talks like when we had uh, nikita mazepin um uh, and yes a very interesting mm-hmm. analogy because the last two years you could argue the worst drivers are north american but i get your point you, you are at the elite of, you know, elite. There, you know, like you say, with quarterbacks especially, there's not even 32 good quarterbacks. There's normally no. about 15. So it's just thinking, you see back, especially this year with the amount of injuries at quarterbacks, especially to the, to the stars, and you're thinking, how are you going into a season? And, and Jets fans were saying this before the season, how are we going in the season with Zach Wilson as our backup? Because if anything happens, Aaron Rodgers was screwed. Yeah. Four plays later, they're like, we're screwed, you know, and 
it's the same with the Bengals, even at the start of the year. It's like, okay, are you going to sign a backup quarterback? No, you're going to run with Jake Brown. And okay. What? And now it's like, yeah. well, what else do you have? And I mean, when you're seeing Carson Wentz get picked up and the Browns picking up like 52 year old Joe Flacco, a, a <laughs> legend for their rivals <laughs> who they hate, it's just like, what, what are we doing? How is there nobody, like you say, how's there nobody better than Joe Flacco? It, I, I, I just, I fail to understand. And I know, you know, and I apologize to our listeners because they were like, yeah, you've covered this over and over and over again. But the reality is the NFL is supposed to be the absolute pinnacle of this. And it is. Let's, let's not joke around here. The NFL is the pinnacle of this sport. The, the worst team in the entire NFL, the worst, should be able to beat any team from any other league. They should be able to do that. So if the if the Carolina Panthers are indeed the worst team in the NFL, they should be able to go into the XFL and go undefeated. They should be able to go into the USFL and go undefeated. They should be go, able to go into the Canadian Football League and go undefeated. They should be able to do that. I don't think they can. Nope. I really don't think they can. And I think some certain teams, uh, including the, the Carolina Panthers, in this case, who this year have done... Do you know what? It's not just them. But you look at the, the, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, as you mentioned. You look at some of the quarterback play that's going on there. And you think, well, how can you not find someone? Do you not pay attention to anything else that's going on? You're not trying to tell me they can't go up to Canada and find a quarterback. I, I don't, not one, not a single player from the Canadian Football League is good enough to play in the NFL. I don't believe it. And it's just, you you watch some of these throws, and I, I, I know it sounds like I'm picking on the quarterbacks, but, you know, they're the, they're the ones in the spotlight. You watch some of these throws, and you think, why would you even attempt to throw that pass? Or you look at some of the, the, the missed blocks, and think, did you not see the linebacker? And, you know, we're just three guys from Scotland, just, um, you know, here and there to Hebrides, talking about a sport that none of us will ever play or have ever played at any kind of level whatsoever. It's never going to happen. And yet I'm fairly convinced I, if I saw that, you know, if I saw this guy's triple covered, I might not throw the ball at him. It's just bizarre. I don't, and sorry, guy, I went off on one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm In a while. In a while. I think I'll be happy. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, Panthers suck. So we're going to move on. <laughs> we come to the, the uh, anyway. Well done, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we move on. We come to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Daft name. Uh, in front of sixty-seven thousand nine hundred nineteen fans, and this was a close one once again. Right down to the wire, but the Browns escape with a thirteen to ten victory with a Dustin Hopkins field goal with just. Two seconds left on the clock to give them a 13-10 win. Jake, this was your game. Browns, Steelers, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was an interesting game. I think we all knew it was going to kind of be a, a low-scoring defensive battle, and it, it was that. Uh, the Browns beat the Steelers and the Ravens in consecutive weeks for the first time ever in their franchise history. Um wasn't maybe a great game for DTR, but he completed four straight passes to set up the game-winning field goal. Um, you know, the box score, like I say, it's not anything to write home about. Um, I think it was 24 for 43, 165 with a pick. Um, it's still a vast improvement on when we last saw him. 
uh, and he was very emotional when they, the field goal went through, and it was hard not to kind of root for the guy. Um, the Steelers, I mean, they finally have done what everyone's been asking for for years for, for Steelers fans, but they were outgained for the, the 10th straight week. Uh, Matt Canada was finally canned, and good riddance. Um, I'm sure Kenny Pickett will get another shot without Canada, but I've got to imagine he's on a bit of a short rope as well, and we might get to see some more of the the MVP before the season's over. Um, now, the Browns' defense, obviously led by Miles Garrett, they forced nine punts this game. Miles um, Garrett had a sack to take the Steelers out of field goal range, and arguably should have had a safety early on in the game. He sacked the guy in the end zone, and they decided to say he was down at the one. It was felt like it was a safety to me. And then for the Steelers, I mean, Jalen Warren, I already said there, they've been out gained 10 straight weeks. Well, Jalen Warren had 145 yards. Every other Steeler had 104. It's just, it was woeful. Uh, it was not a game for the ages. It was vintage AFC North, I would say. This is kind of what I expect when I think of an AFC North matchup. Um, but the Browns get it done. They're proven with a vast majority of random quarterbacks having traded away probably their best quarterback. But they're still getting it done. This defense is carrying this team. And the Steelers, I think they're like, what, six and four now. I still don't know how they're six and four, to be honest, how they've got six wins. Uh, and they're hoping, obviously, a new offensive coordinator or kind of just new juice can uh, reignite them. Because I think if you've been on X probably this week or at all the kind of the season, you've probably seen the clip of last year when the Steelers won a game and Matt Canada came down because he used to sit in the booth. He came down and was celebrating and the kicker, Boswell, just went, it ain't because of you. <laughs> and it's like there was open disdain towards their offensive coordinator. And the kind of interviews afterwards, uh, like Najee Harris, who's like a very quiet like leader, professional, was just openly being like, yeah, I'm really sick of this. This team sucks. Our offense sucks. I'm, I'm really, really done with it. And swore multiple times. And it's just like, wow, this team has fallen apart. So uh, something I had to give, and Matt Canada was the, the obvious chip to fall. Uh, it was indeed. Now, uh, Dave, 249 total yards for Pittsburgh in this game. Their offense stank. We saw that, but they've been doing that all year, as Jake has already mentioned. This Browns defense, though, is holding everybody. And I know it's the Steelers and Kenny Pickett with the Matt Canada offense. And, uh, but it, it feels almost like we're making an excuse every week for this Cleveland defense when we really shouldn't be. Jake mentioned this weeks ago that I, I was sleeping on the, the Browns defense. Uh, no longer. But do you think this defense is good enough? Because, I mean, looking at it, I mean, it's the numbers are almost historical, historically good for this Browns defense. Do you think it's enough to overcome what down the stretch might be some pretty shaky play from the offense? And can they keep on winning, get to the playoffs? Uh, yes. Yes, I do think so. Um, the main reason being is that they are embarrassing quarterbacks. Um, because I, I have a, a bonus early random stat that uh, this year, the average passing yards per game that the Cleveland Browns have allowed is 143 yards. Oh. That's brilliant. In a half, right? <laughs> not, not in a half, no. A pen, the 143 per game. 
Yep. Good like that's, uh, I, I know I said historic, but obviously. when you break it down like that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, well, there's eight teams in the league that, hold, on average, are holding quarterbacks under 200 yards, and Cleveland are on 143, with the next being Dallas in our last game at 157. But it's just, it's unreal. I mean, what, what, what they'll be able to achieve is amazing. Um, and I think I, I, I've said it a couple times on this podcast, offensive win, or offensive, uh, great offenses win games, <laughs> but defense I'm gonna, wins I'm going I'm going to tell you again. Go on. Right? Offense wins games. Defense, yep. wins, defense championships. wins championships. So, try, I prefer try, Dave's version. Try, try it yeah. again. Try it again. Dave, I go got there. Yeah. I think Do I not, prefer listen. Dave's version too. <laughs> leave it in. Listen. Yeah, leave it in. Right. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave that in. I'm going to leave yeah. that in. That's just... just leave this whole thing in. Screw the both of you. Let's yeah, because yeah, our listeners hey, will be going, what team. are they talking about? Because this <laughs> happened before, but nobody knew about it. Yeah, anyway, carry on. Carry on. Sorry, Dave. No, like, screw your carry on. But, you know, I, I do want to give one shout out for our defense player in this game, and it's not Cleveland Brown. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Elandum Roberts, who seemed to be everywhere. I think he had 11 solo tackles, two tackles for loss, 15 to- total tackles in the game. So he was really putting in a big shift um, for Pittsburgh. But this, yeah, yes, the Browns can go to the playoffs. I, I think they are going to go to the playoffs, even without or, or with a DTR as quarterback. Um I, I think, you know, they, they utilize the run game a lot more. Yeah, there was 43 attempts by Dorian Thompson-Robinson, whereas between Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford, there was 24 rushing attempts. I think they need to utilize that rushing game a lot more. Um, and I, I, You know, the pieces are there for a good playoff run, not just reach playoffs, just the pieces are there. That defense is just scary. It's it's ridiculously scary, and I, I will be absolutely shocked if Miles Garrett does not get Defensive Player of the Year. He's he's, I think he he's put in better performances than any other player. I did, but obviously there's a few exceptions that maybe are rivals the, in their own the way. Defensive play, like the the Defensive Player of the Year, is a much more interesting um, mm-hmm. conversation than the MVP. And I've oh, got yeah. probably a lot of thoughts on the MVP later on. But the Defensive Player, I mean, it's hard to say Doron Bland shouldn't be there. You know, Michael yeah. Parsons, TJ Watt, Miles. You know, it's a, it's a great list. And then you look at the MVP, and it's it's not so great list. It's, you you know, it's going to be an offense. Uh, it's someone off offense. It's it's a given. It's oh, almost well, the impossible MVP's, for anyone. It's not a quarterback. It's going to be a quarterback. We know yeah. it's going to be a quarterback, regardless of, of what it's going to be. But you're right. The defensive player of the year is really hot. Miles Garrett, I would agree with you, is leading the race. Um, but, you know, guys like Max Crosby, you mentioned Ron Bland, Daniel Hunter. Uh, mm. I mean, these guys are playing out of their skin right now. There's so many players across the board who are lights out defensively. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I, I think that it's it's really hard, really hard to 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 look past Miles Garrett at the moment for Defensive Player of the Year. And you could argue if they go to the playoffs, if the Browns, with considering, and I'm I'm saying you know shaky quarterback play because of injuries. Let's not forget Watson was terrible. They've had mm-hmm. no good quarterback play this year, none, and yet they're winning. They're doing great. So, yeah, Cleveland Browns. The, the last time 
I think that the Browns had good quarterback play. Baker was quarterback. That's oh, yeah. what I think. That's ab- absolutely, absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Los Angeles Chargers and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field in front of 77,432 fans. And the Packers won this one, 23-20, to 20, but that's not the big story of this game. Um, once again, for the Chargers... The receivers just can't catch the ball. And you watch this happen and think, what is going on here? Justin Herbert must be pulling his hair out with these drop passes because these passes are hitting them in the chest and in the hands. It's ridiculous. And even, you know, Keenan Allen, who's one of my favorite players in the entire NFL, he's not a muted. He dropped a surefire touchdown that literally went through his hands, hit him in the chest and fell on the ground. You're thinking, what's going on? But Jake... This was your game. Um, Packers, Chargers, what did you make of it? Yeah, the first time I wrote this, I realized I mainly talked about the Chargers. So I wanted to, to rewrite it, kind of give the flowers to, to the Packers. It was a big stop from Kenny Clark on fourth and one that ended the game. Uh, injury for both teams kind of changed this game. Uh, when Aaron Jones, who can't seem to catch a break, uh, left early, it was clear the game plan shifted. They only had one fit running back, and he's not particularly great. Um, so it was up to Jordan Love and his young receivers to win this game. Love, who went 27 of 40, 322 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, seems to have found a bit of a steady groove. Uh, he's putting together some good performances, definitely, I think, improved from where he was. Um, there was no standout weapon in the box score, uh, but he loved to spread the ball. There was 10 different receivers. Um, Reed is just phenomenally uh, kind of a great weapon to have. Like I say, there's no kind of standout one, and they're all young. Um, but if you can spread the ball out and everybody get involved, it well, seems to be a winning formula. Uh, and then for the Chargers, I mean, Joey Bosa was carted off in the first series, another one that can't seem to stay healthy. They are 0-5 in games decided by three points or less. Now, great teams find a way to win. The Chargers find ways to lose. Um, but there is some good news, don't fear. At four and six, Brandon Staley has full confidence in his play calling, so the press can stop asking if he's going to give over play calling duties. He was very defensive over that, and it was quite entertaining. Um, Justin Herbert was the lead rusher, eight for seventy-three, which is concerning um, because he's more than likely running for his life rather than obviously trusting <laughs> Austin Eckler. And, and like you mentioned, the Quentin Johnson drop was just criminal, and he's having a really, really rough year. Um, but like I say, it seems to be everyone's at it, and Keenan Allen himself at it. It's just five of their six losses combined to 14 points. Like I say, the good teams find a way to win these games, and the Chargers just aren't a good team. And It's a weird one because Justin Herbert gets the biggest pass in the world by the media and everybody, but it's hard not to give him the biggest pass because his team stinks. His wide receivers, even the good ones, let him down. His... Defensive-minded head coach is awful at defense. I mean, the Chargers are a mess. And I said last week, I've got to stop watching the Chargers games. And then I pick the games and give myself Chargers. And I'm I'm begging, don't make me cover the Chargers anymore. That's at least this week. Okay, right. Well, you, you will not be doing the Chargers for the, for the next few weeks. We'll give you at least a few weeks off. Uh, Dave, Jake mentioned it. Herbert's getting a pass from the media. But he really should be because... 
Um, it it was it's almost like do you remember we we spoke about the Ravens game where all the receivers were dropping the balls at Lamar so and they ended up mm-hmm. losing that game. This is happening to the Chargers week in and week out. Herbert threw a touchdown pass into triple coverage in this game at the back of the end zone, and I watched that play and as I was thinking, oh my word, what a throw! Herbert is a class. Just an absolute A1, five-star quarterback in my mind. He is incredible. He's getting no help. Like, zero help. Um, it This game was all... It almost reminded me of the... As I say, that Baltimore game and then the, the, the Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl where every receiver was dropping everything. Even the most reliable receiver dropping passes that are hitting them in the hands you know, going through their hands, hitting them in the face, hitting them in the chest, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. just just catch it. No one's asking you to do anything. Just catch a ball. You know? No one's saying, catch the ball, make four guys miss, and make sure you get out of bounds. Pass. Just catch it, and you will win this game. It is really bad. And I'm not... I've got a funny feeling. I've got a funny feeling, Dave. And Jake, mm. but to Dave. Um... I'm not convinced Justin Herbert's happy at the Chargers. And I would not be surprised if he requests a trade uh, once his contract's up. Even though he's been hugely paid, next uh, next couple of years, whenever his, his one expires, uh, it would not surprise me. He must be sick to death of just drop passes, bad defense. Because he is not the reason the Chargers are losing these games. Dave, what do you think of that? And what did you think of this game? Uh- I, I mean, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go through the. There's sort of three. The three main points. We'll start with what Jake said about Brandon, Brandon Staley and the play calling. Um, you know, obviously on defense. Now, in the last game when I was talking about Cleveland and you know the average what they were holding quarterbacks to, uh, I had a little look down the other end. Now the Chargers have the worst passer out pa- uh, for uh, for opponent passing yards per game. The Chargers have the worst in the league. Their average is 291 yards a game, right? And now Jordan Love threw for 322 yards in this game. Brandon Staley is not only head coach, but the defensive play caller. And he's saying he's not unhappy with the the plays that he's calling. Up against top quarterbacks, what chance do this team have? I mean, they've got Khalil uh, Khalil Herbert, definitely not Khalil Herbert. They've got Khalil Mack. On defense, he he racked up two sacks in this game. He had te- uh, eight total tackles, um, and yet you, you, they've stu- they've got good players on defense. They just aren't using them in the right way. And I think Brandon Staley is it. it the The Bucks got to stop with them. Um, I think I was t- I was speaking with you uh, McPhail uh, over the last week and saying Staley's got to go. He just has to go. If the Chargers want any kind of progress, he has to go. Herbert. Uh, his current happiness, I'd go to the point that, or I'd, I'd go to the extent that he can't be happy. It's not. It's not that. It's not just that he's not. He cannot be happy in this because he knows he's playing well when his receivers are catching it, but also when the play calling is better. That's that. Neither are happening right now. He's doing everything he can. He's uh, and um, 
you know, obviously, uh, is eight for, eight carries for seventy three yards as well. Like Jake, I think it was Jacob was saying he's running for his life. He's it's not planned quarterback draws. He's running for his life. Um, with, with Herbert, I see a lot of similarities with Josh Allen, uh, especially in the throwing game. But he's a great scrambler. Uh, I think he's more consistent than Josh Allen. But Josh Allen has maybe um, some better pieces around him and more consistent pieces around him. Uh, some more consistent weapons and uh, better protection most of the time. Where do the Chargers go? They, I mean, they've got to get rid of Brandon Staley. It's just that simple. They, they, their season is uh, pretty much done now. I know they're four and six. They're technically in with a chance. I don't see them winning the rest of their games. You know, and that that's but in, in an AFC uh, conference that is stacked with good teams this year. The charges are done for this year, so I think they plan for the future now. I don't think the NFL would let the Chargers trade Justin Herbert. They moved to Los Angeles, and uh, you know, sharing the stadium. They're already a very unloved kind of stepson of the the yeah. LA. Can but you, if they lost Justin Herbert, they'd have nothing. But he's just signed a two hundred sixty-two and a half million five-year extension through twenty twenty-nine. Yeah. So there's there's no way the NFL let the Chargers get rid of him. Can you imagine the cap penalty, though? What that would be for Justin Herbert, uh, if if for, for the Chargers, if uh, he was traded, because that would to to them, it wouldn't be to the other team. They would, they, it would, they wouldn't be able to sign any decent quarterback. Well, it, it would be about um, what would it be about thirty? Oh, I don't have, I don't have my number. Thirty-one million a year, thirty-two million a year, cap it. Um, uh, that's what it'd be. If not more, it's yeah, less probably. Yeah. That's less than half of Deshaun Watson's starting next year. Hmm. He's going to be yeah. 60, 64 million a year for the next three years. Deshaun Watson's costing Cleveland. Um, just, I just I had to put that out there because that's a ridiculous cap it from one player. Uh, anyway, mm. gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars at Everbank Stadium in front of 67,175 fans who watch the Jacksonville Jaguars get right back on track. Right back on track with a 34-14 win over the Titans this game. Another one was never close. They were 27 to nothing up uh, with just three minutes ago in the third quarter in this one before the Titans scored a couple of uh, late touchdowns. And in fact, it was 34-7 to uh, midway through the fourth. Uh, Dave, this was your game. Titans. Jaguars. What was your thoughts? Speaking of uh, head coaches that could be on the block, I think uh, Mike Rabel better be watching over his shoulder because I think his time is coming to an end in Tennessee. Um, I mean, there was two good players uh, on that Tennessee offense, and that was Will Levis and Deontay Hopkins. But apart from that, the whole team had nothing. Derrick Henry has no cut whatsoever, as was displayed in this game, so I'm very worried about the Titans' kind of core run game. Um... Jacksonville, on the other hand, Trevor Lawrence is brilliant. Trevor Lawrence, he, he was just so... He was so robotic in that he knew exactly where he was going every single time. He rushed rushed in for two touchdowns. Um, and he fully... He, he also threw for two touchdowns as well. It, it, was, it was just fantastic quarterback play the entire game. Uh, he was 24-32 for 262 yards. Quarterback rating of 119.5. He what he did get one sack, but it was for one yard loss, so he was already kind of uh, on the way to scrambling it. Um, Calvin Ridley, 
very very good. He's also he, he, I think he's what uh, the top one of the top three uh, most pressed quarterbacks. So when they're start before the play, the cornerback is right up against press pressing coverage against him. And in this game, it did not work whatsoever. It was seven receptions for 103 yards and two TDs. Just uh, it was a fantastic game from Calvin Ridley. Uh, the, the, I mean, there was there was two fumbles as well. Will, Will Levis with a I think one of his only mistakes in the entire game uh, fumbled. But uh, when he was given the ball, uh, they they just could, they just couldn't do anything really. Will Levis 13 of 17, 158 yards, two touchdowns. And a, and a rating of 143.8. And they lose the game by 20 points. That's... Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how this happened. It was a case of uh, like second and third down, the Jaguars, absolutely fine. They knew their roles. They knew where the, the, where the uh, yards gain was. Titans just couldn't get there. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of problems in Tennessee. It, 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 the the scoreline does flatter Jacksonville a little bit, um, but when they were getting over the line, the Titans were always falling short. That's the kind of differences. But a twenty point advantage, and it was so, it it, it was basically uh, over, like you said, late on. But big shout out because uh, one one very big man got a touchdown for a reception. Jeffrey Simmons, a defensive lineman, uh, who came in. Look, they were looking. They were on the one or two yard line. Came in looking to kind of fill a fullback role. They did a kind of play action, and who who was in the corner of the end zone? The big two was he two hundred eighty, two hundred ninety pound man running in and caught it. And then I think the the defensive back tried to tackle him and kind of bounced off him. So it was just yeah. It's always always good to see one of the big defensive linemen getting a touchdown there. And that was the highlight of the game. Will Levis. Grossly underprotected, Derek Henry not able to get any kind of running done at all, um, and it. I think we need Mike Rabel gone. Yeah, this offensive line for um, the, the, the Titans is just it's it's awful just now. Jake, did you see anything, mm-hmm. anything in this game? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, the Jaguars or Trevor Lawrence went six for eight on throws with fifteen or plus air yards. So sometimes uh, quarterback yards are deceiving because they dump it off and the guy goes seventy yards. Trevor Lawrence was was not. He was throwing it in the air and and with great success. He also threw for two and ran for two for the first time in franchise history. Um, Tennessee Titans have lost nine in a row outside Nashville. Zero and six away from home this year, and yet to score sixteen points in those. So it's yeah. I think Dave's right in terms of there is problems in Nashville. That is indeed, and it all seems to be stemming from the head coach at the moment, or at the very least, the buck stops with him. So we are now going to move on, gentlemen, to Hard Rock Stadium, where the Las Vegas Raiders were travelling to take on the Miami Dolphins in front of 66,026 fans. And the Raiders in this one actually uh, jumped out to a quick 3 to nothing lead uh, with a field goal from Daniel Carlson. Miami then responded immediately with a 38-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill from Tua. Um, the Devontae Adams then caught a 46-yard pass from Aiden O'Connell to go up 10-7 to before the Dolphins came back with a touchdown pass from Tua to Salvan Ahmed. Um, and then it was his field goals, one from Carlson and two from Jason Sanders. Um, there was no scoring in the fourth quarter. The Miami Dolphins come away with 
with a 20 to 13 victory in this one. You look at the box score in this and the story for me is that the Raiders could not get the ground game going. 16 attempts for 36 yards in the entire game. Combined third down uh, efficiency, the Raiders 4 for 14, but the Dolphins were only 3 for 11. And one of the strangest things about this game is that the punter for Miami, at one one point in this game, the punter for Miami um, only punted three times in this game, um, but he hadn't punted right up until the fourth quarter. And yet they were 3 for 11 on third down. And you wonder how that happened. It was it was a strange game. It was backwards and forwards. Um, and the Raiders really shot themselves in the foot a couple of times. A couple of bad interceptions, uh, bad plays. Uh, but Tua also threw a really bad interception where he completely overthrew his receiver. The Dolphins' offense seems to have sort of calmed down slightly. Sort of took the NFL by storm through the first three, four weeks. And it's really sort of just come back to earth. But let's take nothing away from this uh, defense for the for the Raiders because as we've said time and time and time again, you know, Max Crosby, you know, he had one sack in this game. He had another um, quarterback hit. He had pressure, four pressures. He had six combined tackles in it. This Raiders defense can still play. They're still legit. So, Jake, I'll put it over to you first. Do you think this performance was more that the Raiders' defense being really good or the Dolphins' offense sort of slowing down a bit. The Dolphins still won this game, but it was far from convincing. I think with the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill went out for a little bit. Um, Devon Achan came in and left very early. So I think they are kind of going through the motions in terms of injuries and missing players. I don't think, I'm not too worried because, like I say, it's all well and good being the best team in October, November, um, but it means nothing. You know, I, I wouldn't want them being amazing now and, and rubbish in the off-season. So if they're having a bit of a lull at the moment, hopefully that means um, going forward they can pick it back up. I'm not overly worried for them, and we've mentioned MVP chances earlier. I mean, with the mediocre to below average quarterback play seemingly increasing quarterback's chances, then surely Tyreek Hill's got to be in a shout because he is kind of the lifeblood of this team. Um Next four games for Miami are very winnable. Um, so they could, and then after that, it's a bit of a gauntlet. So they should go on a bit of a streak here, uh, and they'll certainly be buoyed by Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's—I think he's allowed a, a zero point zero passer rating versus him. Uh, has three picks in three games this season. He's really come back as advertised, and that's perfect for Miami because they signed him. Obviously, he was injured. You don't know what you're getting, and he's come back and looks like Jalen Ramsey. Um, he has, and Dave, we know you like Jalen Ramsey, obviously, being a, being a former Ram that he is. Uh, tidy kill, 10 caps, 146 yards. And as Jake said, he didn't even play the entire game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so impressive what this man's able to do. Um, do you think, I mean, if he, if he stays healthy, he's still on pace, still on pace to break uh, the season record for receiving. I think if he stays healthy, do you think he can do it? I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Tyreek Hill. You you know what he's capable of, but stopping him is a completely different thing. And I haven't seen, well, well, there's maybe one or two games where he hasn't really been at 100%. That's the only time he's kind of slowed down. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's, 
He's the fastest receiver in the league. He's probably he's got the best cut of the receivers. Um, yeah, he's. I, I mean, him and Tua linking up all the time, and Tua racking up how many games has he had three hundred odd yards every single game? How many games has Tyreek had a hundred yards? Is it maybe nearly every game that he's played? He says he's, he's got over a hundred yards. Um, so yeah, I, it's like you were saying about the Raiders' defense. They 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 played very well, but they 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 held the Dolphins. Uh, to 20 points and you know they, they I think the offense I think it's unfortunate that Aiden O'Connell's been thrown into this position uh, Devontae Adams was up against the, the likes of um, uh, Jalen Ramsey and was it Xavier Howard was the, uh, the other cornerback as well uh, Jalen Ramsey two brilliant picks as you'd expect um, just wait hold on let me I've got a tear in my eye um, bear with me one second as, uh, yeah anyway so uh, I'll try not to cry too much over uh, Jalen Ramsey. The Dolphins are going to win their division. And with Ty- if Tyreek Hill can get that record as well, regardless of how far they get in the playoffs, it's, got, it's a successful season. They're on, the, they're on course to a bright future as well. So I wish them moderately the best because they completely ransacked the Rams for, for Jalen Ramsey. But... Uh, yeah, the, this this uh, Dolphins team, and, and of course they stopped the run as well, which is one of the Raiders' strongest things with Josh Jacobs. So they managed to uh, hold them to thirteen points as well. So take nothing away from the Raiders' defense, but take nothing away from the Dolphins' defense either. Yeah, so we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the NFC North matchup between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions at Ford Field in front of 63,873 fans. And this was not the game I was expecting. I thought the Lions were going to run away with this one. I was convinced they were going to run away with this one. But it wasn't to be as the Chicago Bears went up 26-21 with 2.59 to go in the game. They're actually up 26-14 with 4.15 to go in the game. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. Old Ewan McPhail, our resident Lions fan, is going to be raging at this. But, you know, there's people that we know. Guys like Callum, yeah, he's a Bears fan. Brian over in America, he's a Bears fan as well. And he must have been absolutely delighted with the 26-14 lead, 4-15 to go, but that wasn't going to be enough because Jameson Williams caught a 32-yard touchdown pass from Jared Goff to make it 26-21, and then David Montgomery with 29 seconds left rushed in from one yard to make it 29-26. Detroit and then with 22 seconds to go, Aiden Hutchinson came in, stripped the ball away, knocked it out of the back of the end zone. He punts it into the stands and the Lions come away with a last second 31-26 victory. Um, Dave, Lions, Bears, this was a fun game to watch. One of, uh, mm-hmm. one of several games where you thought, this team's out of it. And then they came back and won. What did you think? I, I mean, this game was. I watched this full game live, and I, you know, obviously, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan in the world, but I wasn't laughing. I was just in shock. I was speechless because uh, I, I think Ewan McPhail uh, must have muted me at some point because I sent him a screenshot of a certain stat. Now, in the second quarter, Jared Goff threw his second pick, and at that time, he was three of seven. For 28 yards, two picks, and a rating of 14.9. Now, Goff finished this game not with two picks, but with three picks. 
and they were they were pretty bad as well. It was it was it was shocking considering what we've seen. He was on course for setting you know being up there with with some of the highest records of throws uh, without without a pick, and he goes and throws three interceptions in this game. But I tell you what, the Lions. What Dan Campbell's been able to achieve with this Lions team is that they will run through brick walls for this man, and that that's it's the respect he commands. It's what it's the uh, kind of mindset that he's instilled in them. It was fantastic. David Montgomery uh, was very good in this game. Twelve carries for seventy six yards, um, and when when Goff finally got going, he did do quite well. It was twenty three or thirty five, two thirty six, but two touchdowns as well. I'm, I mean, in Hutchinson, where do you start though? Because we uh, not only do we know what we get with Ian Hutchinson, we learn more. We learn that he should not be the backup punter <laughs> because when he kicked that ball out the end zone, or when the ball went flying out the end zone and he tried to punt it, he missed. He pretty much missed the ball, so that that didn't go down uh, in his favor. But you know, he was causing havoc for the majority of the game. I think there was, um, I think it was Craig Reynolds who was returning a ball and ended up fumbling it as well for the Lions, which I just thought, oh, this this game is just everything bad happening to Lions. Um, I think he might be injured as well, so I hope hope he recovers uh, quite well. Um, I'd, I'd go as far to say that the Bears lost this game more than the Lions, uh, which uh, Justin Fields looked really good, though. Uh, and he was running the ball. He rushed for over 100 yards. He threw for 169 yards, no picks. This, this, I, I don't even know where, where do you want me to start with this game. There was, it was everything. It was, oh. it was bears, lions. <laughs> Just start. You've been going for ten minutes. What were you talking about? <laughs> I'm not starting. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a game with everything. The bears had the, the one of the most startling things about this game. The bears had possession of the ball for forty minutes of the sixty. Forty minutes of the sixty, and you know, where with the lions. Racking up thirty-one points with nineteen minutes of the ball, it was, it was clinical when, what when they decided not to just throw the ball away or drop the ball. So, yeah, I don't. I I I I, I mumbled a lot. I've said a lot of words, but not a lot of substance. Anyone a that's got, I, I, yeah, I, I, well, there you go. But it, it it was an exciting game, and I and I thoroughly thoroughly recommend everyone goes and watches this game back. Uh, Jake, did you have anything to add to that um, that spiel. wonderful spiel by Dave there? Oh, well, I don't know about wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the Chargers game. Great team signed away to win, and that's what the Lions did. It was a very Jekyll and Hyde from, from Goff. He should have had two more picks, one of them being a pick mm. six. It wasn't, you know, the box score maybe even does him just, you know, helps him out more than anything. Um, what I love from this Lions team is last week, uh, David Montgomery said uh, he's kind of the short yardage back. They got down um, towards the goal line, and he said to like Jamal Gibbs, "Like, do you want this one?" Basically, like he's not been getting a lot of touchdowns, although he's been playing well. And Gibbs was like, "Yeah," uh, went on, got a touchdown. And that's really nice. Well, this week Gibbs got them all the way down to like the one yard line. He comes out, Montgomery comes in, gets his revenge touchdown against the Bears. Little things like that, I absolutely love. It just shows a good team, you know, good team chemistry. They're helping each other out. David Montgomery getting one back over the Bears. Everybody loved to see it, minus Bears fans. Um, but it's the first time all year that team down 10 with, well, under five minutes. But like I say, it was four minutes, 15. But with under five minutes to go, has won. And they went, they had four drives. So, well, four kind of scoring kind of plays. A touchdown, three and out, touchdown, and then 
sealed it with the safety. But yeah, very entertaining game. Um, but that's the kind of little nugget with David Montgomery. That's the kind of stuff I love to see. Yeah, it was an excellent game, uh, especially from a neutral's point of view, but especially from a Lions fan's point of view, of course. I'm sure Ewan was delighted with that result. Um, so we move on, gentlemen, to the Arizona Cardinals at the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium in front of 70,247 fans. And the Texans win again. They are up to 6-4 and four with a 21-16 win over the Cardinals of all to 2-9. Jake McGee. Texans, Cardinals, what did you make of it? About them Texans, it was not uh, as clean as you would imagine. Uh, 336 yards, two touchdowns, but more interceptions in this game than the rest of the season combined. It made it very close. Uh, And the Texans' defense under D'Amico Ryan stopped Kyler Murray three separate times on fourth down in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, Texans had 330 yards in the first half. Shroud looks like he was on place. For, for 500 yards and then the second half they went missville goal punt punt interception interception so it was a tale of two halves um we've kind of seen that with the cardinals but the texans took it to the extreme um tank dell and devon singletary had great games uh singletary went 22 for 112 on the ground the rest of the texans went three for minus one so he was the running game and then tank dell just continues to have a breakout kind of unbelievable ceiling uh combination of his speed and his route running he went eight for 149 on a touchdown for the cardinals it was positive seeing kyler scramble again um the box score shows seven for 51 on a touchdown but he had a 40 yard lovely scramble brought back by a penalty and this game the fourth quarter was messy chaotic crazy seemingly neither team wanted to win uh but in the end the texans defense did enough Uh, off the back of the offensive first half so it was a complete game by the Texans but not how you'd want it to be a complete game not at all uh but you know they come away with a win Dave they're six and four but as I mentioned the Cardinals are down to two and nine Kyler's Mm. back what do you think about this Cardinals team going forward They, they seem to be lacking at a couple of positions but there is some hope for this team that they can put things together they're still quite young at law positions um as i say two ninth not ideal but they've only got kyler back for the second game what do you think of this arizona cardinals team well i think kyler's lacking in weapons uh a, a little bit here but uh the one thing i did note from this game is that kyler reached uh speed on a scramble uh the fastest speed that he's uh, one of the fastest speeds he's ever reached in the nfl he did reach that speed last year at all um, so that's an interesting one. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, the co- it was the commentator. One of the commentators said it at one point. Um, where do the Cardinals go? Uh, hopefully to the bottom of their division. Uh, there's no bias there whatsoever. I hope they stay rock bottom there uh, where they belong. Um, they need some weapons and protection. I, 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 their defense isn't fantastic. Uh, Buddha Baker will probably be in demand even though he signed a new contract and he did sign a new contract i think didn't he Jake, yeah he was, yeah. was talking about being traded away and i think they did yeah. sign him back uh, i i mean th- this hasn't given him much happiness anyway but uh on the other side of the ball i mean blake cashman was everywhere in this game 13 solo tackles 19 total and he got a sack as well so uh that was fantastic um cj stroud he, he just keeps winning uh, I'd, I'd, I'd win, 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 and the Cardinals just 
can't win at all. It it, it was just and uh, well, I no, I, I I do have a question though. Did someone not put out a tweet at half time in this game about CJ Stroud's yardage? Yes. Uh, yes, and then how did that second half go for so CJ Stroud? At, at half time, CJ Stroud had two hundred and fifty nine yards. He did throwing, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that at half time, um, in fact, it was before half time. It was like four minutes to go in the second quarter. Two hundred and fifty nine yards. He was two hundred ninety five yards behind the all time passing record set by Norm Van Brocklin, as we know. Mm-hmm. Went all the way to this this single game record, five hundred and fifty four yards, set back in the nineteen fifties, never been broken. Um, and you know he didn't surpass it. That's what happened, Dave. <laughs> it's just, uh, one way of putting it. Well, yes, uh, but I, I think you know we've heard of the commentators' curse before. Yes. Is this the start of a win FL curse? Well, I I did the same <laughs> thing when Patrick Mahomes went for three twenty one in the first half a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and I I thought you know if anyone's going to break this three hundred twenty one by halftime gives you a, a better opportunity than anyone to break the five five four mark set by Norm Van Brocklin, but he didn't do it. Uh, but I like to keep an eye on quarterbacks, and if mm. they have a good first half, I am going to tweet how far away they are mm-hmm. from the all time uh, game record. It's it's mm. going to happen. I don't care if it's a curse or not. I might not do it if it's <laughs> Russell Wilson, just in case it is a curse. Jake, you don't think it's a curse, do you? No, no, no. And I don't have anything to worry about because it's never going to be Desmond Ritter or Bryce Young <laughs> or <laughs> Baker May- In the NFC South, sadly, Baker Mayfield is the most likely. So that's, you know, that's a sorry state. I suppose it is. <laughs> we're going to move on gentlemen to the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field in front of 62,714 fans and I'm going to begin this um, with an apology to one Tommy DeVito who, Tommy DeVito Tommy DeVito who for the past two or three weeks I have slated and said that this man cannot play, cannot throw, from what I'd seen. And in, in my defense, he was garbage the last couple of weeks, right? He, he was <laughs> terrible. But Tommy DeVito in this game, 18 of 26, 246 yards, three touchdowns, a rating of 137.7. So Tommy DeVito... I was wrong. You can play and you can throw a ball. Of course, he took nine sacks. So, you know, that kind of detracts from it slightly in this game. But it didn't matter because the New York Giants came away with a 31-19 to victory over the Washington Commanders. Sam Howell, 31 of 45, 255 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Four sacks he took in this one, and the commanders fumbled four times. They only lost three of those four, only three fumbles lost. Uh, but they fumbled four times in this game. They were constantly turning the ball over. Um, they gave the Giants chance after chance after chance to win this game, 
and the Giants eventually took those chances and they wind up with a 31-19 victory. As I say, I honestly thought Sam Howell was killed when he was trying to go in for a, a, a rush on the goal line, um, which at first they said he was short, but then they said it was a touchdown. It clearly was a touchdown. Um, but the Giants win. The Commanders lose. For all you Giants fans out there who've been really, really, had, had, you know, they've had a bad year this year. This was their, only their third win. They're now three and eight. Uh, the commanders fall to four and seven. It is possible. It, it's possible. The Giants don't have the worst record in the NFC East this year. It's it's possible. Dave, I can see you're smirking away at me there. But I'm going to tell you a couple of things just before I hand it over to you, Dave. Um, the Giants opened up with a Saquon Barkley catching a 24-yard pass from DeVito. Mm-hmm touchdown um joy side applied to the field goal then darius slayton called a caught a 40 yard pass from uh, devito up 14 to 3 sam howell then runs it in uh but they missed the extra point 14 to 9 joy size another 42 yard field goals 14 12 then saquon barkley with another touchdown pass from devito to make it 21 12 um randy bullock then nails a 36 yard field goal 24 12 before Jahan dotson takes an eight yard pass from howell um after make it 24 19 and then to finish it off isaiah simmons took a pick 54 yards to the house 31 19 dave Giants, Commanders. This game was a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. I was expecting nothing but dregs in this game. And boy, was I wrong. What did you think? I mean, who who is the this new New York Giants quarterback? Because some of these passes were dimes. That The Saquon Barkley touchdown especially was just on the money. Only Saquon could get there and sort of, uh, I'd say, six inches to the right, and he was out of bounds. Six inches to the left, it was going to be batted down or picked. It was perfect. And, the, I mean, the other ones as well, uh, all his touchdowns were fantastic throws by Tommy DeVito. So uh, he had the game of his life. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's ever going to have a game like that again. Uh, but Sam Hull would quite like, like to forget this game uh, very quickly. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, so just um, a, l- a little side note that uh, Daniel Jones could be out for up to 10 months uh, with his uh, injury. So uh, that would take him past the start of next season. Um, so that would that's an interesting one to watch out for. Uh, are they going to not be bottom of the NFC East? I still think it's very likely they are going to be bottom of the NFC East. The commanders with the trades that they made, uh, particularly on defense, I, I I don't think they're expecting anything from this year whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I think Ron Rivera is probably going to be gone at the end of the season as well. So um, they need some help. They, I mean, Sam Hull, he, uh, how, was it five weeks in? I gave the that random stat about him being the amount of sacks he was taking. He's still it's still a high a high possibility that he will reach that sack record. Um, and another four. Uh, this one, Tommy DeVito sacked nine times, so uh, he's a he's a man of steel right there. Um, move over Clark Kent. Tommy DeVito's taking over the role of Superman. But uh, yeah, it's it was a it was a entertaining game. Uh, I, I think it's probably the main takeaway from it. But uh, yeah, Washington 
didn't really show up, or Sam Hull tried to. He just kept getting battered and drops here and there. So yeah, Giants are three and eight, which I don't think any. I think we all predicted the Commanders, didn't we? Um, I, I definitely picked the Commanders. I'm not sure. Hey, uh, Jake, the Commanders really threw this one away. Um, despite, and as I say, you know, great play from DeVito. He played really, really well. But the Commanders had so many chances to score. And Hell's play was just abominable in this one, wasn't it? Well, yeah, when you break a record from 1984 and you get swept by the Giants and this year's version of the Giants, it's definitely not um, how you foresee it going. I mean, say, first time since 1984, a team has sacked a quarterback nine times and lost by double digits. Nine I mean, times. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. And Kayvon Thibodeau had a, a great game for the Giants. Two sacks, two tackle for loss and a pass defense. Uh, and I would also like to join in on the apology. I'm very sorry to DeVito Dimes. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't forget though, in this game there were six turnovers. Yeah, for for the commanders, three fumbles, three picks as well. I mean, you you kind of deserve to lose the game when you're giving giving that up on offense. So, uh, yeah, that's a it's a very rough one for the commanders to take. But see, they're in in the race now for the wooden spoon in, in the division. Any team that turns the ball over six times should lose. Hold that yes. thought, Dave, for later on in this <laughs> podcast. Uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We are indeed moving on. We come to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the San Francisco 49ers at Levi's Stadium in front of 71,607 fans. And the, Ra- the Raiders, what? The 49ers come away with a 27-14 victory over the Buccaneers. And, um, you know... Brock Purdy, you know, if if there was ever any doubt after last week whether or not he's over his concussion, this week proved it. Jake, this was your game. Buccaneers, 49ers. It was impressive by San Francisco. It wasn't. Get that whistle ready. I mean, you ready for this? Pristine Purdy post perfect passer rating. Ooh. How about that? Oh, I'm going to blow the hype train whistle for Brock Purdy here. <gasps> Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jake. Carry oh, on. yeah. Anytime. Uh, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, healthy. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, on the sideline. And the addition of Chase Young. All of a sudden, the defense is humming. Um, sadly, Hufanga left the game with a torn ACL. He'll be a big miss, but his replacement, um, Brown, stepped in and I think he even got an interception. So maybe not too much of, of a drop-off, which is always great when you can have someone come in and pick up the slack. Um, Ayuk, I mean, the commentator for the San Francisco, um, at the end of the game, chanted, Ayuk, Ayuk, Ayuk is on fire. Uh, he is certainly, and I've mentioned it before, that he certainly seems to be Purdy's kind of favourite targets. Uh, went for 156 from five receptions, had a touchdown. And for the Buccaneers, you really can't fault Baker Mayfield for his efforts. Um, they had pretty much no rushing game, um, only being able to connect with Evans, five out of the 12 tries. It's certainly not for the lack of trying. Um, it, arguably, he would say the Buccaneers are probably the best team in the NFC South. It's a, you know, it's a very low bar, um, but they've got a decent defense. They've got some good offensive weapons. They've probably got the most stable quarterback. But the 49ers, like I say, with 
a lot of healthy players back, kind of over there, tumble, and adding someone like Chase Young, they, they were just too much, and you can't really fault them. You know, losing 27-14 to 14 to the 49ers, is, is, there's no shame to that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there isn't. Now, before I hand this over to you, Dave, do either of you guys, your random stats, concern Brock Party? No. no. Excellent. Dave, just before I put this over to you, I'm going to say a couple of things about Brock Party. Okay. Now, I, I know, I know you don't like Brock Party. Division rival, I get it. I understand in the same way that I hate Patrick Mahomes. He's one of my favorite players, but he plays the Chiefs. I can't stand him. So, Brock Party. Just a couple of things because people were talking about Brock Party. You know, um, he's been found out. Remember when he had those couple of bad games? He had the concussion, a couple of bad games. That's it. Brock Party's been found out. He's reverted back to the 200 millionth pick that he is. Last pick, Mr. Relevant, seventh rounder. Couple of stats so far this year. So far this year. Brock Party leads the league in passer rating, uh, yards per attempt, yards per completion, adjusted yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt, pass completion percentage, pass touchdown percentage, QBR, yards per pass attempt index, adjusted yards pass attempt index, net yards per pass attempt index, adjusted net yards per pass attempt index, passing touchdown percent index, passer rating index. Brock Party leads the league in all of these categories. And he just had a game with a perfect passer rating, 158.3. But Dave, I'm not going to get you to talk about Brock Party. That was Thank just God. That was just uh, <laughs> me saying he, he is he is the real deal. And I know he had a couple of bad games. He had really bad games uh, through some bad interceptions. But he's clearly back. He's great. Um, Tampa Bay. Let's talk about this Buccaneers team because I know Jake doesn't like to talk about them. Obviously, um, Baker Mayfield had a decent game. It was a decent game, 29-45, he said 246 yard, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked four times, but again, he was running for his life from this 49ers defense. But the Buccaneers definitely have something with Mayfield. And I think, because uh, we know they've got something with Mike Evans. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we absolutely know that. Um, he only had 43 yards, but again, he's one of the most reliable receivers in the entire NFL. Mayfield clearly likes him. It's a lot to be positive about with this Buccaneers team going forward, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on either side. Uh, that, that's a pretty good combination to have. But uh, I, I think some of the play calling, um, is particularly when he was throwing to Chris Godwin, should be questioned a little bit because uh, he was targeted seven times. Uh, he had six receptions for only 39 yards with the longest being 11 yards, not giving the man the chance to run some routes, you know, to get some better yardage. Um, And Mike Evans, uh, there seems to be a lot more longer attempts with him. But what they have in Baker is they've got a a quarterback who's got a a good chunk of experience now. He's been at a few teams. Um, I think he's learned a lot as well. I I I think obviously what happened in Cleveland really did affect him quite badly. We saw his record after that, which is pretty poor, but um, looking at Tampa Bay in a hole, on a whole, there's a, a very loud voice appearing that uh, Todd Bowles could be next on 
the chopping or one of the next co- head coaches on the chopping block. Um, so that's maybe a thing to watch. Yeah, they, like we've said before, Tampa Bay are arguably, anyway, one of the best teams in the AFC South. I'd like Jake slightly added that it's a very low bar, but they are still in a division. You can only play the people around you, and if you've got the best record, you're the best in the league, in the, not in the league, in the division. So um, they've got a good defense as well, though. They've got Antoine Winfield, they've got Levante David, Shaquille Barrett, Vita Vea, who's just a wrecking ball. Uh, you know, they, these guys are all there. Uh, offense, they've got Rashad White, who's a very good running back. They've got Baker, they've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They've got the pieces, but they don't really have the execution, I don't think. So I, I, I'm wondering if you're going to see a head coach change in the fairly near future. I don't think so, if I'm being honest, because I, th- I think that I think Bowles, he's, he's not been there long. Was that, is that two years now? Two years he's been there. Mm. It, it was, he was it was an offense coordinator he was. Uh, uh, true, uh, but I, I mean I mean his head coach. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think... Defense uh, uh, I'd give them another year at least to, to see what they've got. Uh, Jake, just before we move on, quick thing. Um, you're saying the Buccaneers might be the best team in the South, but the Saints have the top scoring offense in your division and mm. the best scoring defense in the division and the best record. So I think you're New Orleans Saints. I think you're doing, I think you're doing them short, Jake. Just seeing. I know you... You don't have to watch them. I was just going to say, I know you've seen, seen you've seen them a lot more than I have. But, you know, the numbers don't lie. Well, maybe they do, actually. We know numbers lie. We do know that. But they've got the best record. So, just, you know, your stints can keep on keeping on. They keep on marching on. No, we can get absolutely decimated by the Cowboys in the first week yeah, of the... Well, possibly. Uh, but we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in front of 72,704 fans. And the Rams found themselves in an absolute hole in this game. Dave, your Rams against the Seahawks. Tell us what happened in this game. Tell us the score. Tell us how the score happened. Well, we should have been 13-0 down at halftime. That's how we were horrible in this first in, in this first half. Um, and oh, there, there was a, a moment in the game when Matthew Stafford was absolutely steamrolled with a helmet uh, launch into his chest, into his ribs. Um, so that, that wasn't a great thing. But... Uh, he managed to catch his breath. And he led the team to a 17-16 victory over the Seattle Sea Frauds. Because that's what they were. But I want to give a big shout-out. I want a massive shout-out to Drew Locke. Because at one point, Aaron Donald went to sack Geno Smith. Questionable, uh, you know, rough in the passer there, but... Uh, it was definitely rough in the past. Let's not, <laughs> there was nothing questionable about that. He killed the man. Look, when you've got when you've got a meteor coming, it, it's very hard to stop that meteor at like one yard. So <laughs> that's pretty much what happened there. But of course, Drew Locke came in and gave us the chance because Drew Locke, while he was in, two for six, three yards, one pick, and a QB rating of two point eight. That, that it makes my day. But moving on to the positives of the Rams. Uh, Puka Nakua, five receptions, 170 yards. 
he's still on course uh, for the highest uh, receiving records uh, of um, rookies. Uh, he also got a, a touchdown as well, which was fantastic. That was the one just before halftime, which we did not deserve to have. We were horrific in that first half. Um, Matthew Stafford did have a pick as well, which was it was pretty bad. Not going to lie with that one. Um, other takeaways from the game, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was in for about one play, and he's injured now. That's not a good thing. Um, also, there was offensive pass interference. Which I was just coming on to, so, I, because that is one of the most ridiculous calls in the entire history of the NFL. Uh, he what, Did he touch him? I think he, he went up to the cornerback uh, and touched him. Pass interference. Offense, number 10. Huh? What? It was... Screaming? It, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was uh, one of those where you're just looking going... I don't know what the referee was looking at, but that's yeah. not pass interference. Exactly. Well, I, I'd like to make it known that the officials in this game will be expecting a lawsuit from my daughter because of the noise level that I shouted at the television. She woke up and was just like, are you okay? Like, not after that, I'm not. So, uh, yes, that was uh, an interesting one. But um, to, just to run down um, some basically uh, some of the scoring plays, the Seahawks kind of rushed down the field. Uh, they, I think the Rams might have actually gone three and out uh, at the start. And then, of course, I, th- I expected the worst when the Seahawks first drive, they, they went for 14 plays for 88 yards and the touchdown. It was just very clinical. Uh, and I'd also like to add in the word depressing uh, on that drive before the Rams then <laughs> turned the ball over on downs uh, at the Seattle two-yard line because uh, they went for a fourth and two. Why they decided to throw it uh, on fourth and two when uh, they had they, they were decent in short yardage uh, on the lead-up to that, but uh, yeah, threw it 2-2 to Atwell and the ball didn't have much of a chance. So, of course... What happens? Seahawks get the ball back, and then they go down the other end. 15 plays, 62 yards. They only get the field goal, but it's enough for 10 to 0. Rams go uh, 3 and out again, and then Seahawks get a field goal, but then we get a touchdown. I I think it was towards the end of the half anyway, Puka Nakua with a touchdown. But... We, sh- we we apart from that one early field goal in the third quarter, the rest of the time the Rams defense stepped up and shut out the Seattle Sea Frauds, and we needed to. Uh, they were we we got ten points in the, in the fourth quarter. Matt Stafford's absolute uh, clinical display in that fourth quarter. Geno Smith tried to come in again after his injury. Um, it, I think it was his right shoulder that he was having trouble with uh, after it connected with Aaron Donald. You know, so if you if you're going to pa- uh, punch Mount Everest, you know, that that's what you get, kind of thing. I, I believe that's karma for Seattle. But uh, yeah, the Rams are four and six, which I never thought I'd ever cheer in my life, but we are. Um, and I'd also give, like to give a shout out uh, to the health and safety department within LA. Uh, for allowing 1,000 more within the ground in the official capacity to witness an amazing Rams comeback from 13-3 down. I think, uh, yeah, it was 13 nil down. And, yeah, so all 72,700 watched the Rams win. So, let's go Rams! 
Uh, Jake, I'm not sure if you can add anything to that, but uh, Geno Smith goes down in this game. Drew Lock comes in. I'm not sure the extent of Geno's injury. Do we know anything about that? And if he's going to be out for a while, are the Seahawks in trouble? If he was, uh, they would be in trouble. But I think he's he's all right. I mean, play calling. What questions me is thirty seconds. Well, I think they had forty-one seconds technically um, to go, but thirty seconds to go, and you run the ball for two, and then you just wait, and then you kick a field goal. They could have made that last field goal an awful lot easier if they used their time better. Uh, they were four for four on third downs, and then went one for eleven. They had two hundred and five yards to 19 yards at one point. They, they should not have lost this game, but the Rams and their defense stopped them to field goals. They stepped up. I mean, the penalties in this game, Dave mentioned that. Even that cup one, I have been put in the chat at the time, being like, what? Because they show replays of a lot of these things. So they show a replay and the commentator's like, yeah, yeah. It... And then silence. He's like, I don't know what to say. There's nothing, like, yeah. there's no, there was nothing there for him to add. He was just like, okay, so moving on, that's apparently a flag. Uh, yeah, the, the Seahawks had 12 for 130 mm-hmm. yards, and the Rams had 9 for 92. It was, well, I suppose that's kind of a divisional matchup for you, but yeah, the, the Seahawks started off very proficient. The Rams took a while to get going. In the end, the Rams' defense did enough to, to limit the, the Seahawks, and they got the win. Can I also make one little point about the penalties? Now, that that, that is 21, <laughs> 21 penalties in the entire game. Now, I think uh, for the first time ever in a Seattle game where there's been a combined amount of penalties of 21, that DK Metcalf did not cause any of these penalties, which is just phenomenal. Good for you, DK. <laughs> Good for DK. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, were, there, was, there were some that were just ridiculous calls. Uh, the, the, the officiating in this game was really poor. I'm, I know we're, we're, gonna, we're sick of talking about it, but if it's still an issue... We're going to end up talking about it. So, um, yeah, I'm afraid this one was pretty bad. And uh, also, big shout out to possibly the worst cornerback in the NFL, Darren Kendrick, who finally got an interception um, from from uh, the from Drew Locke. So, uh, and also, all it took was Drew Locke. Yes, it it did. But then he also got flagged for taunting afterwards. So <laughs> that, that was just yeah. That that's how that went. But uh, yeah, Darren Kendrick actually had a really good game in this one. So. Uh, Kudos to him, who I, I mean, I've been one of the biggest critics of him. Uh, but in this game, I'm afraid he, well, I say I'm afraid, eight targets in his direction, three receptions allowed for 21 yards, one pick and a 6.3 passer rating allowed. So his best game by a long stretch. Seattle are six and four. They now play the Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. So that's rough. Good luck. Good luck. That's a rough stretch. Oh my word! <laughs> oh, and and Kenneth Walker uh, was uh, in that blue tent for quite a while. So there's serious injury concerns for their number one running back as well. Uh, so yeah, that's maybe one to watch. Yeah, the Seahawks are in for a rough stretch going forward. Uh, we then, <laughs> yeah, we then moved to Highmark Stadium where the Buffalo Bills were taking on the New York Jets in front of seventy thousand six hundred and three fans, and this game went pretty much, I think, as most people expected it to. Uh, but 
even more so. The Bills absolutely crushed the Jets 32-6 in this game. Uh, the lone touchdown for the Jets came from a Brees Hall 9-yard touchdown pass from Zach Wilson. They failed on the two-point conversion. Um, not really too much you can actually say about this. The Jets were just completely outclassed in this entire game. Uh, Josh Allen went 20 for 32, 275 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked once. Zach Wilson, uh, on the other hand, 7 of 15, 81 yards, one touchdown and a pick. Tim Boyle came in. He went 7 of 14 for 33 yards and a pick. The Jets' offense was absolutely putrid in this game. Just diabolical. So, oh, diabolical. You're absolutely right. Just they, they could do nothing, absolutely nothing in this game. Um, they also uh, had two fumbles. Garrett Wilson fumbled and Xavier Gibson fumbled as well. They lost both of them. They had no chance against this Buffalo Bills team. Um, Dave, I'll throw it over to you very quickly. Uh, the Bills are 6-5, and five, but they're a shaky 6-5, and five, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because, as we've said all year, you know, one week they look like world beaters and the other... The next week, they look absolutely awful. Um, Josh Allen played better in this game than he has in the past couple of weeks. Um, but they just beat up on the Jets here. And it, it it really is quite surprising when you look at this Jets team and you look at some of the results that they've had this year and the teams that they've beaten because they've swept... Uh, sorry, the, um, they, they have, they, their Bills have already been swept by the, the Jets here. They beat the Bills... They beat the Broncos. They beat the Eagles. They got their only other win against the Giants, and that was a 13-10 one. I don't know what this Jets team is. I think it's bad, but it's difficult. Because they they got killed in this game. The Bills killed Mm -hmm. them. What did you you see in this one? They they, they did, but um, that Jets offense was just utter garbage. Um, I mean, when when Leonard Floyd gets two and a half sacks in a game, you know you've got serious issues. Um, But, I mean, the the third inefficiency was 0 for 11. That's really, really bad. And, uh, you know, on fourth down, fair enough, they were 4 or 5. But, I mean, if if it gets to that stage, you're kind of in panic mode. Um, But, look, it's... um, Zach Wilson's lost his job. He's he's no longer he's no longer QB two anymore. Uh, I think Tim Boyle's going to be there until Aaron Rodgers comes back. But Tim Boyle wasn't that much better either because I mean he was seven of fourteen for thirty three yards and a rating of twenty six point five. So yeah, and I think I'm I'm not going to steal Jake's thunder with what he said about the QB the QBs and the Jets this week with who was the best one. Uh, between Wilson and Bob, because it was none of them. But uh, yeah, Brees Hall was kind of the only kind of uh, glimmer of hope in that Jets offense, and the rest of it is just awful. Uh, Jake, uh, what what can you say about these Jets, and what can you say about these Bills? Because like the Jets, I don't know what they are. I have no idea. What do you think? I think for the Jets, I don't even think Zach Wilson should be QB3. Put him QB4. You've got a punter there, 100% completion. Highest QB, you know, highest rating for the Jets. Thomas Morstead, one for one, eighteen yards. Just throw him in. At this point, I can't even blame the defense. They've carried this team for so long. The Bills scored on six of the first eight possessions. Uh, Russell Douglas for the Bills had two interceptions. Buffalo's first in seven games. 
Uh, they've recovered a fumble as well, like you say, the two of them. There's got to be a civil war going on in the Jets' locker room at the moment. Because even before this year, before Aaron Rodgers, it was last year it all kicked off to the point where they were all wearing Mike effing white t-shirts, which was the biggest middle finger to Zach Wilson ever. And then for some reason, Salah and the Jets decided we'll keep Zach Wilson as a number two. And then when he came in, they didn't trade for anyone. They didn't bring in anybody. They committed again to Zach Wilson. And the defense hates him. Garrett Wilson hates him because he's not good enough. And I don't know why they've waited for this long. They've ruined whatever chance they had of a season. You know, we've talked there about Aaron Rodgers coming back. Why would he? Because it was all fun and games saying he might come back if they're in playoff contention. They're not going to be. And they, they shouldn't be. And this defense... They've got to be so fed up. There's so many good players, and they, they've played well for so long, and they've got nothing to show for it because the offense is absolutely inept. Uh, yeah, I mean, you talked about Mike White there. When, in the offseason, when they traded Mike White, um, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I know myself and Jake were both saying, why are you trading Mike White? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, if you're going to get rid of one of your quarterbacks, get rid of Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. The man clearly is, you know, he's he's hopeless, and it it just got true then he got benched, and it's you know Wilson is terrible. They got rid of the one guy who over the past two years had come in and played better than any Jets quarterback they've had for years. Now I understand you're bringing Aaron Rodgers, I get that, but why then get rid of the one guy who actually performed for you and keep uh, Zach Wilson? It's bizarre. It it is. I think I I get the strong feeling that um, the Jets just weren't ready to cut their losses. Um, You know, obviously drafting Zach Wilson at number two, uh, a lot a lot of pressure can come with such a high pick uh, on the shoulders. But off with Zach Wilson, it's not his fault. He was drafted there, but at the same time, I think they were expecting a lot more, and they just weren't really ready to admit that it was a draft bust. And I, th- I think we, we, we saw it last year. We, we've seen it since kind of first couple of weeks of his career. Just hasn't been good enough, I'm afraid. So um, I, I, I also don't think Tim Boyle is the answer uh, from what, from what I saw. Not. A he's career not. clipboard holder who's Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> best mate, whilst Aaron Rodgers' other best mate is the offensive coordinator. It's like, who's the GM? I really liked Joe Douglas. And I thought that what the Jets were doing was great. And then they've brought in Aaron Rodgers, and it's just the Aaron Rodgers show. It, it, and let me say, his best mate is now the quarterback. His other best mate is up in the booth. He's an awful offensive coordinator, and we've known this. You know, Neil has covered this. What are we doing? I, mean, I was going to say, at least, at least they've got a good offensive coordinator that we, we know is an amazing yeah. offensive coordinator. Do you know, they cut their losses with Sam Darnold, but they true. refused yeah. to do it with Zach Wilson. It's just that they're a mess. I don't... See, this is the thing, because they did it with Zach, with uh, Sam Darnold. Number two overall pick, boom, you know, he's not good enough. Oh, why have they held on to Zach Wilson? I don't understand it. Unless he's just a total yes man. Because he's incompetent at, at his job. I mean, it really is. Anyway, I, you know, sort of banging on about the Jets fans. Congrats to the Bills for a big win. So, gentlemen, we're going to move on to the Sunday night game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium, regardless of what some sponsor calls it. 
in front of 76,848 fans. And I am not going to lie to you, gentlemen. At the end of the third quarter, I thought the Broncos are going to lose this one. They're going to lose because the Vikings, behind Joshua Dobbs, who played very well, again, uh, were up 17-9 to going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Will Lutz banged in a couple of field goals to make it 17-15. Uh, and then Greg Joseph kicks a field goal to make it 20 to 15 with three minutes and 17 seconds to go in the game. And it was almost a repeat of the week against Buffalo, where the Broncos had the ball, they had a chance to go down and win the game. And I'll tell you this right now. If the Denver Broncos, and, and I know this is hoping beyond hope, if the Denver Broncos make the playoffs this year after a 1-5 and five start. They should put a statue of Cortland Sutton <laughs> outside that stadium because, because with 1-0-3 to go in the game, Cortland Sutton catches a 15-yard pass from Russell Wilson. And almost like the, the game the week before, I thought Russ was throwing this out of the end zone. It was just way up in the air. And Cortland Sutton comes down with it in the back of the end zone. I lost my mind. I'm screaming and shouting and bawling. The Broncos come away with a 21-20 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Vance Joseph in a final drive. Because the Vikings still had the ball. And they had chance to, to move the ball down the field. Now, they've been running the ball very effectively, the Vikings. Very effectively indeed. Broncos are having real trouble trying to stop this uh, this running game. But there's only a minute to go in the game. So they've got a pass. And Justin Simmons, Justin Simmons makes two ridiculous solo plays on that final drive. Stuffs the Vikings. The Broncos win. My goodness. And, and, and I was talking earlier about a certain safety being ranked 44th in the NFL by PFF, Justin Simmons is ranked 44th in the entire league. PFF think that there are 11 teams in the NFL. Both of their safeties are better than Justin Simmons by their rankings. Absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. The man leads the league in interceptions since he came in. Since he was drafted, he's had more interceptions than anyone in the entire league. He's one of the most reliable safeties. The man's a legend. Cortland Sutton should basically just be, you know, given a knighthood and a sainthood by now. Leads the league in red zone touchdowns. Russell Wilson is tied for the lead league with touchdown percentage and has the most red zone touchdown passes in the entire NFL. Sean Payton. John Payton has done wonderful things for this team. It didn't look like it early on. When they were 1-5, after week 3, when they'd given up 70 to Miami, and they were staring down a 21-point deficit at halftime to Chicago. We're 5-5. Five and, five. and we've got a tiebreaker against Buffalo. If we end up with the same record as Buffalo, we get got a tiebreaker against them. Oh my word. Second in the division, Denver Broncos. Now, I know, well, before I throw it over to you guys, I know that there's something that has been mentioned 
that happened in this game that we covered a couple of weeks back. Third or fourth play of the game. Um, the Minnesota Vikings, third or fourth offensive snap for them, are on a third down. The, they do a direct snap wildcat formation. Ball gets pitched out to Joshua Dobbs. He runs out to the left. Kareem Jackson cracks him. An absolute vicious hit on Joshua Dobbs. Ball pops up in the air. Broncos get the ball back. That was in the, on the open, Vikings' opening drive. Now, as we know already, Kareem Jackson has been suspended for that hit. He's been fined like a year's wages. I have no idea what it is by this point. I don't know how long the suspension is. I did, I did. I don't have it in front of me. He's been suspended. Once again, whilst it was an absolutely, and it was, that was a brutal hit. It wasn't an illegal hit. And once again, he's been suspended for doing nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong, guys. He should have been suspended for the entire year in week one when he tried to kill Jacoby Myers. He's done this time and time and time again with illegal hits, helmet-to-helmet hits, you know, hitting defenseless receivers. I I understand. I have nothing wrong with Kareem Jackson being suspended. When PJ Locke came in, he was playing better than Kareem Jackson. But this was not an illegal hit. He shouldn't be suspended for this hit. And Cortland Sutton was nearly decapitated, helmet to helmet, by a Vikings player, no flag. There was no flag on this one. The refs called it right. There was no flag on the on the Kareem Jackson hit. But there was no flag on the Cortland Sutton hit. And Cortland Sutton was also helmet helmet hit in the Buffalo game. No flag. No suspensions. No fines. They are making an example of Kareem Jackson, and I understand why they're doing it, but they need to be consistent. They're not being consistent. That's the issue I have with it. I know you guys have something to say about this, Jake. I'll put it to you first. Uh, If you want to talk about the game, great, but I know you did also have an opinion on the Kareem Jackson thing. Go for it. Yeah, for the Kareem Jackson, I mean, 14,819 week one, Mm -hmm. 19,669 week two. Mm -hmm. Uh, 11,473 week three, uh, week six, 43,706, uh, week seven then had the four game suspension. It was appealed and lowered to two. So week eight was suspended, week nine by week 10 suspended, comes back in and it's thrown about. I think the NFL, even if you think it was an okay hit, the NFL are just like, bro, it's like yeah. a 15 year veteran. Um, we, we've tried fines. We've even tried a suspension, and you're still flowing about like you're a, you know. It's, it reminds me of like a dog. You, you see an older dog, and they, you know, as they see a ball go to the beach, and they think they're a young dog, and they, they're running about and they knock themselves. <laughs> it's like Cream Jackson seems to think he's a young buck, and he's flying about. He's going to end up doing damage to himself as well as others. Um, but I did want to focus on the game because there was a lot of positives. Um, Twelve takeaways in three games versus the Vikings, the Bills, and the Chiefs. I mean. This defense is, is cooking. Uh, the end of the first half and the end of the second half seem to be the Broncos' best drives. So mm. two-minute uh, you know, two drills seem to work for them. We've got a field goal in the first half and the winning touchdown second half. I would love to have a measurement of Cotton Sutton because he's like 
probably like six two, six you know, normal height, but he plays like he's seven foot seven. <laughs> I mean the, the box score just is you know, if you just look at the box score, you're like, why are you talking about Cortland Sutton? He like had an okay game. He's just so clutch. Every time the Broncos need a play, you know it's going to Cortland Sutton. Oh yeah, I, there's I nothing forgot. you can do about it. So sorry to interrupt you, Jake. Yeah, you're right. I completely forgot about the fourth down play on that final drive. Mm-hmm. Where he threw, I thought Russell was going to run for it, and I thought he could have got it if he ran for it. But he throws it. He overthrows Sutton, who gets held and makes the one-handed catch while he's doing it. And you're going, this guy is just ridiculous. Exactly. Sorry, carry on. No, you mentioned, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Simmons. I thought Josie Jewell as well. I mean, there's a lot of players in that game that really stood out to me. But uh, Josie Jewell as well seemed to just be everywhere. But say I, I watched the game and then I went I was doing my report and looking at it and I went to the box score I was like that can't be right Colton Sutton only had like 66 yards and like four catches or something I was like that can't be right they weren't watching the same game because it's just a vital moment he just turns up and oh, what a great asset to have and maybe the schedule makers had it right because we were talking a few weeks about you know Broncos and prime time one and five what are they doing well five <laughs> yeah. and five right in the mix and a, and a good team to watch at the moment I, did, I, I didn't think we'd be seeing that after last year, I'll tell you. Dave, what did, uh, what did you uh, make of this one? I mean, it had everything. Uh, it, it had a lot in it anyway. And, I mean, that the Cortland Sutton uh, catch was just, that, that was one of the few times where I was just in awe this week, I, where I, lo- I was lost for words. It was a magnificent catch. It, it had Wilson... Take nothing away from his throw as well. Oh, you know, it was perfect for Sutton in that position. It was right on the edge, and like I said earlier, about uh, another one, one inch to the left, he wasn't getting it. One inch to the right, you know, it it, it could have gone very wrong. But uh, yeah, it just very very good from the Broncos, and they need to be. So they're playing themselves into contention, not necessarily right into the playoffs, but they're playing themselves into contention, and. You know, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing finally seeing the Sean Payton effect. Jake actually took one of my notes from the game about the two the two minute offense because at the end of both halves they were really clinical and really impressive. It was really good to watch. Um, just look at the downside though. The Kareem Jackson. Uh, I mean, I to me it happened really quick. Uh, which kind of made made me think that that's why it, the flag wasn't called. Uh, looking at it back, he lowers his head to make contact with the player, um, and that but by, by by the rule that should be a fifteen yards unnecessary roughness because um, he's forcibly making contact with his head uh, with his opponent by lowering his head. So he should have been. Um, I mean, it's all, it's already cost uh, up until this game. Uh, he's had, like Jake was saying, um, four legal hits and a suspension of two games, and it's cost him a total of two hundred seventy nine thousand dollars for for his play. Something needs to be done. Obviously, uh, fines don't work. Suspensions don't work. Does he go? I think he should. I'm afraid to say. I think I, he's I a danger know. to himself and and to other players. I don't know how long this new suspension is. Um, all games, uh, and, all it, games. But, and he appealed this one but it was upheld right so it's so easy out for another four games I know PG Locke was injured in the, the Buffalo game I like so, PG Locke oh, PG Locke was playing outstandingly well uh, yeah, yeah but no, but not, not, even well. in the, not even now but I mean 
every time Kareem Jackson's not been there, he's played really well. Mm-hmm. He, I, I think he's he, he should be in the team anyway, considering the ups and downs um, or, or the pros and cons of Kareem Jackson being in the team and having PJ Locke as the other man. PJ Locke wins that to me, yeah, so I'm, I, 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 I'm strongly in favor of him being starting and no Kareem Jackson. If if I was the Broncos coach, I would have PJ Locke starting. I don't know how severe his injury is from, from the Buffalo game. Um, as I say, my issue with the Kareem Jackson thing is is that it's not consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not that I'm a huge Kareem Jackson, because I'm not. I'm not a big Kareem Jackson fan. He causes problems. To be honest with you, he's too slow. He can't cover receivers. He's that sort of big hitting run stopping safety he he gets beaten in coverage all the time and it's it's noise luckily you've got all pro justin simmons who can cover up a lot of deficiencies but the problem is as i say you know two weeks in a row curtain sudden helmet to helmet hits no flags no suspensions mm-hmm. no fines and you think well you know if if this guy's getting fined this guy's getting suspended do it to everyone who does that and people who do worse and it, you don't always see that. So the only issue I have with that, um, I agree, as I said, week one, he should have been suspended for the year. He indeed had literally attempted to kill Jacoby Myers with the Raiders, launching helmet to helmet there. It was, it was a horrendous hit. And he should have been out for the year. But, you know, as you guys have said, fines, I mean, these fines, 279000 over the course of nine weeks is nothing to someone who's making millions. It's, 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 it's not even making a dent. Even if you said that's a quarter of his wages, doesn't matter. The other three quarters is more than enough for him to live on. Um, but anyway, can't talk about this all the time. Broncos win. Broncos are riding on. And if they make the playoffs, I will reiterate this, if the Broncos do somehow sneak into the... And they'll have to sneak in. Kansas City are still way ahead of them in their division. You've still got Baltimore. You've still got Miami. You've still got all these guys. They're going to win divisions. Broncos would need to sneak in with a wild card. But if they do, Cortland Sutton should get the key to the city of Denver. Um, he's welcome in my house anytime he wants. Um, he can't have my dog. That's, you know, that's off limits. But, you know, he can he can drink my beer at my fridge. I don't mind. Whatever he wants to do, that's fine. Hey, so, sorry, dear. I didn't need... I did not need to mention the fact <laughs> that, that, that my, my wife is my wife, right? I didn't need to say that, Dave. You're Jesus the, Christ. Yeah, this is honestly, Dave is pointing to the wedding. Well, yeah, that's because I didn't think I needed Einstein. to mention it. Good Lord, Dave. What? what? Honestly, wife. Dave, I sometimes you? I wonder why we have this guy in this podcast. I really you do. You put Einstein above your wife. I know I didn't. I, what I said was no, I didn't, didn't even. It wasn't up for debate. It's not even a question. That's not even a question, Dave. Divorce. Nobody would even <laughs> think that. <laughs> Good well, Lord. Just, just like to keep you on and keep you honest and make sure that Cortland Sutton <laughs> well, doesn't just, run off with my wife. Okay, thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Gentlemen, we're moving on. Finally, oh, yes, I think finally, finally yeah. the final game. It's been a long podcast already. Final game, Monday Night Football. The Philadelphia Eagles travel to Arrowhead Stadium. Not calling it that stupid name. To take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And they come out with a 21-17 victory. And the story of this game, much like the Chargers game, Mahomes' receivers just couldn't catch any passes. 
Valdez Scantling had a drop that, I, first of all, I don't even know why he tried to lay out for it at the end of the game there. He could have just ran and you know, it, it would have landed right in his hands. It did hit him in the hands. But there was numerous drops in this game. Uh, the Eagles come away, as I say, 21-17 win. Um, Justin Watson um, had a three-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes to open the scoring 7-0. DeAndre Swift had a four-yard rush. Uh, it's tied up 17-7. Um, and then Travis Kelsey catches a four-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes. No surprise there. 14-7. And as time expired, Harrison, in the first half, Harrison Butkut kicked a 43-yard field goal. It was 17-7 at halftime. The Chiefs were running all over the Eagles in this first half. They were crushing them. And in the second half, the Chiefs could get nothing done. They are averaging the Kansas City Chiefs this year in the second half 5.3 yard, uh, points. 5.3 points per second half this year. That is horrendous. They have been shut out in the second half three consecutive games. Jake McGee, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, what did you make of this one? Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting game. It was a game that helped me pick up two games on you in this week. I went 11-3 and three in the pickums. Harked in Justin Watson 11 times. I hit him five times. It's not a sustainable way to win. And that just mind boggles how they let Tyreek Hill leave. Um, Paris Kelsey, say 7-44. Nothing kind of outstanding. Rishi Rice, who I expected to be kind of the, the breakout star, not so much breaking out. Tony started the game quite lively, didn't do anything for the rest of the game. It was it was very odd. And now the Chiefs, for the last 16 straight drives in the second half, have scored zero points. Not even a field goal. They are the 32nd team in the NFL for points per game in the second half. 5.3 points is what they get in the, the second half. They don't even score a touchdown a game in the second half. How is Anthony Reid, Patrick Mahomes, this offense, the Super Bowl reigning champions, averaging 5.3 points per game in the second like in the second half? It's just... It's insane. Um, they had a net 19-yard punt on fourth and four. Um, at the Philly 39 with nine minutes left. I mean, answer on a postcard. Um, if you're not going to kick a field goal there, you might as well just go for, you know, fourth and four. You're, you're Andy Reid, you're the Kansas City Chiefs. What, what are we doing? Kicking, uh, I'm really sick of seeing punters kicking the ball straight into the end zone. It was a, a 19-yard punt on literally the next play they already had made up where, where they left the ball. So you might as well have just gone for it anyway. Um, but the Eagles, they've lost both their coordinators and have somehow 9-1. and one. Um, Jalen Hurts has won 13 straight versus teams with winning records. It's the biggest streak in 73 years. Um, but the most concerning thing I took from this, and I, I've mentioned MVP earlier, is that Jalen Hurts went 14 of 22, 150 yards, no touchdowns, an interception. He increased his odds and is now... Plus two fifty, or for our odds, five to two to be the MVP. It, it it blows my mind. At the end of this game, it was coming out. You know, he's just in, increased his odds of being the MVP. Are we are we having a laugh? Uh, the, the first nine people are quarterbacks. Miles Garrett is the only one in the top fifteen who's a defender. 
You've got McCaffrey, Hill, and Brown, the only other people from quarterbacks. Apparently, Derek Carr has the same odds as TJ Watt and Michael Parsons. That, that's how ridiculous the MVP race has do, become. Do, do you know who those top nine are? I don't suppose you've got it in front of you, do you? I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's I, I, just I can't think mess. of nine quarterbacks that I would even vote for. If I had 100 votes, I don't know if I'd vote for nine different quarterbacks. Five, maybe? That's, that, that's ridiculous. So, so we've got Jalen Hurts at 5-2, to two, then Lamar Jackson, then Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Dak, Brock Purdy, C.J. Shroud, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Josh, and then Christian McCaffrey, Jared Goff, Tyreek Hill, Justin Herbert, A.J. Brown, Miles Garrett. That's the top 15. Like I say, Derek Carr is 17th tied with Mike Parsons and T.J. Watt. You're that's telling me Derek Carr is having just as good a year as Mike Parsons and T.J. Can, Watt? I how mean, could, come on. No, how could Josh Allen even get a single vote this year? The man has tur- he's been a turnover machine this year. I'm not saying he's not a good player. We know he's a good player. We know he's a very, very good player. But he's been turning the ball over left, right, and centre. Yeah, he's still more likely to get a vote than TJ Watt or Mike. Or Miles Garrett. Uh, Dave. What, or Miles Garrett. <laughs> what? Dave, what do you reckon? It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it, the MVP, it's not MVP, it's uh, best quarterback, basically. It should be really It's the best quarterback. Well, it's just a winning record. The, the quarterback yeah. with the best winning record. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is in that top 10 or top nine. Uh, that, that's, Trevor Lawrence has been hit and miss every single game and quite often at times he's been badly missed. So I I'd don't know ha- what I'd he's doing I'd have him over there. Josh Allen. This year, yes. This year, oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, purely, yeah. Purely for this yeah. year. I'd, I'd take yeah, Trevor yeah. Lawrence over Josh Allen if you, if you force yeah, me to I'd, pick. I'd yeah. I, I, I go as far to say that they're, they're around... They've been they've been performing maybe around the top ten mark in the league, so um you know I'll, I'm gonna admit Brock Purdy should be in that discussion. Uh, Christian McCaffrey should be in that discussion. It's it's impossible for our defensive player to win this award right now. Miles Garrett is just is putting up uh, an incredible season. Uh, every single play he affects, and yet he's barely in a, the the same breath as Jalen Hurts. Who can I just point out? He had uh, he had a rating of sixty four point six, and his odds greatly narrowed uh, narrowed down. Jake's been quite nice in his description of it because he he instantly the odds for him instantly dropped. Lamar Jackson, I I mean you know what he's capable of, but at the same time he's not been he's 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 been clinical enough. But he's not. He's not been the standout player of the year. MVP is the most valuable player. I don't see that he's been the standout of the year. So it's a joke of, of an award, I'm afraid to say. And I think we know that. You know, we, we we can pretty much comprehend who the most valuable player has been. It just breaks my heart that Drew Brees has retired with no MVPs, and someone like a quarterback this year with mediocre stats is going to win an MVP. It that just breaks my heart, man. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Quite rightly so. Quite rightly so. It's just it's 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 pretty rubbish the way they're working this out. But um, congrats to the Eagles. Uh, commiserations to the Chiefs, uh, and I actually do mean that because although you know Chiefs are division rivals and that, um, they didn't deserve to lose this game. They should have won it. If uh, players could have caught the ball, they would have won it, and they just didn't. So they lost. 
Uh, Eagles win. The Eagles might be one of the shakiest <laughs> nine-point teams I've seen in a long time. They are squeezing through some of these games, but they're finding ways to win. As you already mentioned, Jake, good teams, championship teams, find ways to win these close games. That's what the Eagles have done, and that has wrapped up our Week 11 recap. So we now come to our Week 11 WinFL Awards Offensive Player of the Week. Jake McGee, who do you have? I gave it to Saquon Barkley. He went uh, 14 for 83 on the ground, 4 for 57 and 2 touchdowns through the air. Um, As someone who was tracking his rushing for reasons, he was 4 for minus 6 or 6 for minus 2 to start the game. So it was worrying, uh, but he certainly got a run in and he was kind of the key part of that offense. Um, I'm going to get to Brock Party. 21 25, 333 yards, three touchdowns, perfect passer rating. Um, and I, <laughs> I know we're just talking about the MVP being a quarterback centric thing, but when you get a perfect passer rating, yeah, that'll do it for me. Brock Party. Dave, who you got? I'm going to uh, go a bit left field. I'm going to give it to Tank Dell of the Texans because he had a fantastic game. Uh, you know, he's he, he, another, I think it was 145 yards that he got this week, um, Where and just some of the plays were brilliant. So he's kind of cementing himself as a, a very good wide receiver and uh, CJ Stroud's favorite weapon. The move on his touchdown as well was, was sublime. Yeah, oh. exactly. Just absolutely sick. Um, he's having a great year, Tank Dell. Like a really, really good year. He's, he's playing spectacularly well. Uh, we then come to Defensive Player of the Week, Jake McGee. Who have you got? I'm giving it to a Dolphin. Maybe not the Dolphin you think. I'm giving it to Jalen Phillips. Had two sacks, two tackle for loss, a pass defense, hit the quarterback three times, and an interception. So sorry, Jalen Ramsey. I'll give it to Mr. Phillips. Um, I'm giving it to um, somebody else who you might not expect. I'm giving it to Leonard Floyd from the Bills against the Jets. He had three tackles, one assist, two and a half sacks in this game. And it just seemed like every single time something went wrong with the Jets, Leonard Floyd was right in the middle of it. So I'm, I'm giving over to him out of Buffalo. Dave? Uh, the Rob Land. I think just because of, because of his uh, fourth pick six of the year. And, you know, it was just, it was such a delight to watch that play. Um, so, yeah, the Rob Land of the, the Cowboys for me. And we then come to special teams slash defensive unit of the week. Uh, Jake, who do you have? Let's give it to Big Nuts Lutz. He went five of five uh, on the field goals, put up a lot of points, helped the Denver go to five and five. So shout out to another former Saint. Yeah, um, I've gone for Will Lutz as, uh, as well. I was going to give my defensive one to Justin Simmons, but I figured if I went defensive and special teams, both Broncos, then you'd think I was being biased. Um, and of course, no. we know that I'm not ever biased. So, but I'm no, also taking, <laughs> I'm also taking Will Lutz. Those, those five field goals, he, he played, he's played really well. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, early on in this this year, I thought they'd made a real mistake letting McManus go. But uh, Lutz has really come through, and it's mattered the most. Dave. Well, I um, I did consider going for Will Lutz, but then I was watching the Titans-Jaguars game back. Now, there were, at one point, I didn't mention this in my report, but there was uh, uh, when the Jaguars punted the ball away, the Titans received it. Now, they got he got the Titans returner, uh, fumbled it, but it was a forced fumble, and then it was recovered by the same man. That man is called Ross Matisic. 
And here's the Jaguars' long snapper, who not only ran down the other, the other side of the field, forced the fumble, then recovered it himself. So massive congrats to him, the Jaguars' long snapper, Ross Matisic, who forced the, forced the Titans to fumble. And to be honest, that was a game-turning drive because that's what basically opened up the floodgates for the Jaguars' kind of um, five consecutive drives of scoring. So Ross Matisic. Love that. Fantastic. And that wraps up this week's NFL Awards. So, gentlemen, we come to the Week 12 Rapid Fire Preview, and we start with three Thursday games, because it's Thanksgiving. Yes, just an excuse. Um, we actually have a, a big Thanksgiving dinner in our house, mm-hmm. just because it's an excuse to eat lots of food and watch NFL. Well, um, my lovely wife didn't know it was an excuse to watch NFL until she met me. <laughs> so... But now it is. It's great. I love it. Anyway, uh, we're going to start off with the first of the Thursday night games. And it is, of course, the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions, obviously, a firm Thanksgiving fixture. And I'm taking the Lions at home. And I'm taking them to win big because it's Thanksgiving. And I've got them hammering the Packers in this one. 35 to 10, Jake. Even without Aaron Jones, I think the Packers have got a slightly better on offense, but I do have the Lions winning 27-21. to 21. I think that the Lions are going to walk over uh, Green Bay here. I've got 28-13 to 13 for this. I, I think uh, Goff's going to have a much better week than he did last week. We then have the Washington Commanders travelling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And I've got the Cowboys beating up on a bad team again. I've got them winning this one by a score of 31-14. to 14. Yeah, and so the Cowboys do. They win, and they win big against teams they should. 28-17. I, I think we're all being a bit kind. Um, the betting line is that the Cowboys get a 10.5, or the Commanders get a 10.5 point uh, head start. Uh, and I think the Cowboys are going to absolutely romp home. I'm going to say they're going to win by 42 points to 17. Ouch. We then have the Sam- <laughs> Give them a stuffing for Thanksgiving. Uh, we then have the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Lumen Field to take on the Seahawks. I've got the 49ers winning this one, but a little bit closer. Winning this one by a score of 24 to 19. Got it even closer. 24. 24- 23. Well, the 49ers do scrape home. Uh, I have it close as well. I have it by one point as well. And sadly, the 49ers are going to win this. But I'm do- it's very close. 21 points to 20. Just quickly, Dave. Um, would it be sad if the Seahawks won this? Yeah, yes, it would <laughs> probably be more sad. Do, I, you, know do you want what? to just go for a tie? Just go for a tie. I, do you know what? I, I hope it's no nil. You know, I hope it's two two. I hope it's two two. It's a safety heat. That's why I hope it's going to be. But Fun. of the twenty one twenty to to the stupid forty nineers. Thank yeah. you, Dave. Uh, we then have um, on Friday because we got a Friday game. The Miami Dolphins are taking on the New York Jets. I've got the Dolphins blowing the Jets to pieces on this one because I think, as you said, Jake, I think this defense is just sick of it. And I think that it's essentially going to... No, I'm not going to say they're going to lie down, but I think they're not going to be playing the full potential. I've got the Dolphins scoring 40 on the Jets in this one, 40 to 12. Yeah, I do feel like some of the passion may have left the Jets' defense. Uh, 30 to 6. Mm. 
yeah, we're all kind of in the same ballpark. I, I'm giving the Jets defense a little bit more credit. I think that they're, they're only going to allow 28 points, uh, but I think it's going to be uh, 28 points to 12. Then I have Carolina uh, traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. I've got the Titans winning this one in a scraper, 17 to 16. I'm very similar. I've got the Titans scraping a victory, 20 to 18. Ooh, well, I'm going against the curve here. I'm picking the Panthers to pick up their second win. So I, th- I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be a horrific game to watch. I think they're going to win by 15 points to 13. Ouch. Uh, we then have the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. Sorry, Patrick. I'm taking the Texans in overtime, 20 to 17. How about my Texans, 31 to 30. I'm sorry, Patrick, <laughs> but I'm not sorry. I also have 31 for the Texans. And I've got 24 for the Jaguars. Oh, word with yes, clean sweeping sweep. Patrick. Oh, he's going to kill us. Who will have the last laugh next week? Probably Patrick. No. <laughs> Probably Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> we then have the New Orleans Saints traveling to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Jake, I'm taking your boys. I'm taking your Saints. It's going to be a close one, 17 to 14. I've begrudgingly taken my Saints 20 to 17. Uh, another clean sweep? Because I think the Saints are going to get it done. I'm picking, picking to be a fairly close game. It's going to be 23 points to 16. We then have what's sure to be an offensive onslaught when the New England Patriots come to take on the New York Giants at New Jersey. Um, and I've got the Patriots winning this one 12 10. Wow. You're a party for Danny DeVito. Didn't mean anything, did it? DeVito Dimes, 15 to 13 and a scorcher. <laughs> this is just, uh, this is awful because we all have the same ballpark figure. I'm picking the Patriots and they're going to win by 13 points to 10. <laughs> we then have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to take on the, the Joe Buttle of Cincinnati Bengals in an AFC North clash. It's going to be a proper AFC North game. 12 to 9 to the Steelers. Okay. Nothing but field goals. Uh, you know I love me some AFC North and it's going to be an AFC North game. I've gone 19 to 16 also for the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think the Steelers are going to get this and my score is 16 to 12. With them the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travelling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And I reckon the Buccaneers come out with a win in overtime, 23-20. Oh, oh. I have the Bucs winning in overtime, 23-17. Wow. It's a sweep, but Is not it a sweep overtime. overtime. It's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> over, no overtime sweeps. That would be just astronomical. Uh, I, I think the Bucs are going to rack up 27 points here. I think the Colts are going at 17 because I think the Colts' home record is awful. They're 1-4 and four at home. We then have the Cleveland Browns traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. I'm picking my Broncos. Fifth week in a row. Five wins in a row. The Broncos, it's going to be close, but they're going to sneak it 20 to 19. Let's ride. 23-19 Broncos. Nice. Let's go to overtime. Where Neos' health cannot take it. (laughs) 17-17. But then Cortland Sutton scores 
to make it to make it twenty three points to seventeen after overtime. This is going to be this is my only overtime game of the week. We've got a Broncos sweep. Nice. Then have the Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm taking the Cardinals. I've got a funny feeling Kyler Murray comes good. And the Cardinals win this one 17-16 against your Rams. I apologize. I'm, I'm liking seeing Kyler Murray back. Not enough, though. Rams, 26-24. That's called loyalty right there. Uh, but yeah, I, I am picking my Rams. I, I can see what you mean about Kyler. Uh, he looked good. But the rest of the Cardinals look absolute rubbish. Whatever, whatever you wanted to, yeah, rubbish. Uh, I'm I'm picking my Rams. It's going to be a low-scoring game, I'm afraid, though. It's going to be twenty points to ten. Then the Buffalo Bills at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm taking the Bills away from home. Ooh. I am, and I reckon the Bills go absolutely crazy, like they haven't done in a while. Thirty-four. 28 to Buffalo. I like it. Sadly, I don't agree. I've got <laughs> Eagles 28 to 20. Well, me and Jake are very similar. Except there's a difference in the scoreline. The Eagles are going to win with 28 points. The Bills are going to lose with 21 points. 28-21. We then have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to take on the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. Um, I've got the Chiefs winning. I've got them catching passes this time. Uh, but it's still going to be another close game. It's going to be 21 to 18 to the Chiefs. We've got more uh, business as usual. 30 to 17 for the Chiefs. Mm, well, I'm going against the curve. I think this is going to be the upset of the week. I think the Raiders get it done. Wow. wow. I'm going to pick the Raiders, yeah. I'm picking them 20 points to 17. And I, I just, I have this feeling that something is not quite right in Kansas City. Someone tell Dorothy. They, they, last time I checked, <laughs> eight and a half points the Raiders were getting. Oh, wow. Well, That's a big underdog. That is. It is indeed. Uh, we then have the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. And the Ravens are going to win but it's going to be a nice high-scoring game, 34-31 to 31 to Baltimore. I'm sad I won't get to see the, uh, the, the Ravens this week because I refuse to watch the Chargers, <laughs> but 24-20 to the Ravens. I've got a similar score to uh, Neosa, but for the Chargers. What? I am picking the Chargers. To, uh, it's not going to be quite the upset of the Raiders, but I'm picking them to win 31 points to 30. And then we finish with the Monday night game, Chicago Bears at the Minnesota Vikings. I reckon Josh Jobs gets back on track, and I've got the Vikings winning this one more comfortably than you would think, with a score of 28-13. to 13. Mm, I think that's probably a, a clean sweep, uh, but I've got it a bit closer, 25-20 to the Vikings. Mm. Similar ballpark, anyway, it's a, it is a Vikings sweep. But I've got them winning by 24 points to 23. Don't ask me how they got the 23, but I'm picking 23. <laughs> Seven field goals and a safety. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'll eat my hat. I'd love that. Uh, so, gentlemen, that wraps up our Week 12 Rapid Fire Preview. 
and we come to our final segment of the podcast, and it is, of course... Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats. Um, why don't I go first for Random Stats this time? Yes, yeah, been a been a good. while. Been a while since I went first. Dave, I'm going to cast your mind back. Cast your mind back to earlier on in this podcast. When you oh, said, okay. if a team turns the ball over six times, they deserve mm. to lose. Mm. They should lose. They will lose. They mm. Well, on Sunday, November 30th of 1975, something strange happened. At Mile High Stadium, when the San Diego Chargers came in to visit the Denver Broncos. Here are the passing totals for this Denver Broncos team. Now, keep in mind, two quarterbacks played in this game for the Broncos. I'm Mm. going to give you the individual, uh, individual statistics. Steve Ramsey went 5 out of 12 for 20 yards. One touchdown, three interceptions. Ouch, yeah. Okay. He was then replaced by John Huffnagel, and I just love that name, John Huffnagel, who went three of eight for 26 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. A combined six interceptions on the game. Ugh. The Broncos also fumbled... Twice in this game. Total passing production was 8 of 20 for 46 yards, one touchdown, six interceptions, two fumbles. Net passing of yards because they were sacked six times for minus 38. Net passing yards, eight. (laughs) The Broncos won this game 13 to 10. And here is the reason why. The Broncos had 24 first downs in this game. The Chargers had three. The Broncos rushed 60 times. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. 60 times for 328 yards. Chargers went 17 for 59. The Broncos, as I already mentioned, 8 for 20, 46 yards. One touchdown, six interceptions. Chargers, 8 for 24, 72 yards. One interception. Broncos were sacked six times for 38 yards. Chargers were sacked once for eight. Total yards, 336 to Denver, 123 to San Diego. Uh, The Chargers actually fumbled six times, but it only lost one of them. So they turned the ball over twice. The Broncos turned it over six times. And they won the game 13-10. To the best of my knowledge... Uh, I, I was looking up to see if that was a record. I believe it is a record for the most interceptions thrown by a team in a game that they won six. And that was the Denver Broncos against the San Diego Chargers, 1975. 30th of November. Eight, eight, uh, eight days away from being uh, anniversary. Because today's the 22nd of November. That's my random stat. More of a story. More of a story than a stat. Hmm. A, bro- a Broncos team that deserved to lose. Who would have thought that? <laughs> You'd never see that. So, they deserve to lose, uh, but they won. 
Yeah, exactly. But you know what I think it was Jake that said earlier? The the good teams when they're not playing their best, when they're down bad, they find a way to win. Yes indeed. Uh Jake, what is your random stat? I will slightly disappoint Patrick because I had one about the Lions, the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Texans. But then I stumbled across something just insane. Um, it was last week. The Eagles waived someone. It comes up as, as one of these reports. The Eagles waived Miles Jack from reserve retired list and Bernard Williams from reserve suspended list. Now, I don't expect anyone to know Bernard Williams here. Um, for those not familiar... He was an offensive tackle who was suspended indefinitely in 1995, the year I was born. Sorry, hang on, hang on, um, hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> We're going to need to back this one up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he came off the suspension list when? Yep. Uh, about a week ago. A week ago. He was moved. And he was suspended. Basically, basically, he was released last week. And he, um, he was suspended for, when? Uh, in 1995 for oh, a weed well, after I'll, being... In. Yeah, we all remember that suspension because he, didn't he not shoot all of the officials in that game? And that's why he was suspended for 30 years. What did he do? Hey, hey, not 30 years. Sorry, sorry Jake, 20, uh, I apologize. 20, <laughs> oh my word, so sensitive as age. What, what did he do for a 28-year suspension? He smoked some of the Zaza. He had a bit of weed. Uh, After being named to the the 1994 All-Rookie team, he never uh, applied for reinstatement. He went on to play for the CFL. He is 51 years old. I think he played in the XFL, the AFL, the CFL. Um, Yeah, was suspended in July of 1995. So when I was a very wee baby, this man was suspended Never reapplied. The Eagles seemingly had an admin mistake. Never realized until the 16th of November when they finally released the man. <laughs> 28 years later. Do you think he was still getting paid or something like at the league minimum? And he's just sitting over his cash and checks going, I'll take this 200 oh, grand so. a year. That's amazing. So. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Sorry, what position did he play? Uh, offensive tackle. Well, offensive line. Offensive line. That's, I, I love that. That's absolutely amazing. Suspended for twenty-eight years. Do you think someone of the N- Do you think someone of the NFL officers like, well, that's twenty-eight years up. That's time to rescind his suspension. I hope he was getting like life insurance for this, and like you know, health insurance, dental. Oh, I'm, a, I'm an NFL player, sir. You're you're fifty-one years old. You can't be an NFL player. I am an NFL player. Okay, <laughs> the Eagles never cut me. That's brilliant. I love that. I mean, I'm pretty sure officially he's actually just been waived and not <laughs> completely he's been waived. So I wonder will someone uh, pick him up off the waivers? He probably cleared waivers. Do you know, know what? He I'm would probably Im- he would probably improve that Jets offensive line. I'm just I was saying. about to say it, you know, man, I was going with it. Maybe they should pick him up now he's on waivers. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Jake, that's that has made my week. Yeah. That's that story. fascinating. That's, That's one of the best ones we've had this year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> he got waved by the Eagles at age 51 after being suspended <laughs> for week in 19, 1995. So follow that one up. 
I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. So I, I, I've got two short ones because one, one is just a, a basically a, a shrine to one of the best, the best defensive players uh, to basically grace our period right now. Uh, but the first one, we're talking about quarterbacks. And obviously there was one offensive coordinator that was sacked this week in Matt Canada. Now, a stat that's maybe backing up why he was sacked is right now, because quarterbacks that have had at least 500 passing attempts since the merger, there have been 315 quarterbacks who have had 500 pass attempts. Only one quarterback has thrown a touchdown on fewer than 2% of his attempts, and that is Kenny Pickett. 1.9% of his attempts has been a touchdown throw. And that is the lowest out of all quarterbacks who have had at least 500 pass attempts since the merger. And that's the first part of my random stat. The second one, Bobby Wagner. He, uh, He is only the third player in NFL history to have 12 straight seasons with 100 plus tackles which is an amazing stat so you're going from one greatness to the south pole of greatness which is the opposite with Kenny Pickett but uh, just a, a little bit of trivia as well can you name the other two players who have had 12 straight seasons with 100 plus tackles 12 straight seasons with, with 100, 100 plus tackles, plus tackles. Mm. Um, in, in NFL history Yes. Ray Lewis. No. I think he was injured for what for one year. Uh, or, Brian or Orlacca? One year. No. Oh my goodness. But you're 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 right position. <laughs> think think of think of a big city in our country. The London biggest. it's hang on, I was gonna see Drake London again. <laughs> no London not Drake Fletcher. L- London Fletcher. That's two yes. weeks in a row. I've got to say Drake London instead of London Fletcher. Good God, London Fletcher. Mm. And there's one other one. There is one other one. Any shouts, Jake? Lance Briggs. Oh no, left field. Are we? Are we I mean, still in that? Well, I mean, you're very well. You you were very close in what you said, though. It's Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks Tampa is Bay. the only other player. Yeah, with, with London Fletcher. I mean, you said Briggs. I was like, oh, there's no way you just got that. <laughs> no, Derek Brooks. But yeah, two polar opposite uh, little stats there for you. But Bobby Wagner entering, a, a, again, another exclusive club. Because even though it was against the Rams that he, he crossed that, um, yeah, he played for the Rams as well. One of the best linebackers still in the league. And then you've got Kenny Pickett, who's... I mean, the, this year. What did you see his? What did you see his um, so, touchdown percentage was? One point nine percent. That's 1. less than one 9. in fifty. One in fifty. Less than one in fifty attempts. That is. I've gone for a touchdown. That's that's worse than Paxton Lynch. Reminal. Yeah. I mean MVP. Like, <laughs> absolutely yeah, worse. I, I wonder I, what Mitch Trubisky's is. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I care, but uh, is it, what is what is Mitch Trubisky showing in practice? 
the king of pickets. The fact, <laughs> exactly. yeah, he's just there. Yeah. Char- and good looks and charms can cost a long he's, way on that. Trust me. And uh, the fact that he's not Kenny Pickett. I mean, that should be enough to give him the job. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually on uh, the same the same wavelength there. Um, but yeah, you know what? What do? You, how long do you give Kenny Pickett though? What, what uh, no, get, no what more time. Do you think? Bring Mitch in yeah, tomorrow. Okay, without uh, without I, the uh, Mitch Trubisky sunglasses. I, I, I'd, how, I'd how give him. I'd give him. Uh, well, because if see if the season was lost, right? Season was out the window. Mm. I'd be giving him another three to four games with a new coordinator. See if there's any improvement. The season's not lost. They're fighting for the playoffs. I'm giving him two maximum. If he loses, a, if they lose another game, and essentially because of Kenny Pickett, I'm taking trip. Biscayne straight away. One game, two max. Well, Jake, what would you give him and what do you think they will give him? I kind of mentioned it when we were doing the Steelers game. I think with the new coordinator, he will get a little bit of time. Um, I think it could be as short as one game, two game. I think they will obviously try something different this week with whoever's calling the plays. See how it meshes. If he has another game like he's been having, I wouldn't even be surprised if you know half time of the game after we see Mitch. You know, the string or the rope has to be very short right now because similar how I was saying with the the Jets must be getting fed up of Wilson and they mm-hmm. were the Steelers the same. You know, the quarterback player has been below par and eventually you've got to try something different. Like say, Mike Canada's gone. I don't think Kenny Pickett might be far behind him. I think he's helped by the fact that he went to college nearby. He's got, you know, had a bit of hometown love. I think has helped him. Yeah, and, and um, I well, well, sorry, I was just going to add for one final stat as well. Mitch Trubisky has a three point eight percent. So he's there double you go. Kenny double. Pickett. So there you go. It, as, as I say, the man he'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's more the fact that. The, the Steelers are right in play of contention. If the, if this season was, see if they were one and nine, you could give them the rest of the year. I don't think yeah. anyone would care. But they need to win these games. If he stinks it up next week, he could be out. And They're Mitch right in the middle in. of playoff contention. They are right in the middle of playoff contention. So um, I, I think that he's there's yeah the leash is very short on on Kenny Pickett just now, uh, and 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 rightly so because. Um, you know, you can see, oh, he's a young guy and he's got learning to do. And like, well, he's not that young. He's not a rookie. And you're you're playing with a, a storied franchise. He needs to play well. If and if he can't play well, they'll just bring someone else in who can. Because the Steelers aren't uh you know they didn't invest loads in Kenny Pickett. They're not, he wasn't a first overall pick. He wasn't. You know, they didn't get a monster contract. They've got to play him. It's a, it's a case of, if you're not good enough, pff, you're out. Bring in the next mm-hmm. guy. Whether it's Mitch or whether it's somebody else, I think it should be Mitch. Definitely. MVP. MVP. Do you know what I would love to see, Jake? Could you imagine Steelers 49ers in the Super Bowl? Mitch versus Party. How good would that be? That would be maybe the best looking quarterback battle. Oh, my uh- word. 
Uh, I and- cannot think of anything worse that I would like to witness. The fo- well, first of all, the 49ers in the Super Bowl uh, just vomit. Then Mitch Trubisky is the one that's trying to stop them. Oh, absolutely not. Don't That'd even. be awesome. I'd love that. What a, what a quarterback battle that would be, Jake. Gentlemen, that wraps up our podcast now that we've thoroughly depressed Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, next week, of course, we will have our a Week 11 review uh, week 12 review good grief what's happening to me what's happening to me i don't know what's going on here week 12 review uh week 13 preview uh the winterfell awards and of course random stats Uh, don't forget you can catch us on x uh at the winterfell show you can also catch myself dave jake tim patrick andrew everyone is involved in the show um burner account (laughs) (laughs) That's a ride about a big style there. Yeah, Ewan's Burner account. Um, and, uh, you know, if you feel free to drop us a message when I nominate a random stat, do that as well. Um, uh, Dave, thank you very much for stopping by. Pleasure as always. And Jake, thank you. Thank you very much, buddy. And we will see you on next week's edition of The Win FL Show. <laughs>